0: And salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Ammo Related Show on the Planner at the John Campia Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around to talk about our favorite things in the world movies, movie news, TV, streaming, all sorts of good stuff. Some of the craziest endings to NFL games I've ever seen in my life. But don't worry, for those who are not sports fans, we're not going to go into those a lot. Uh, Sitting right here joining me today, of course, one and the only Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Beside Rob, of course, we have the delightful Chris Carr. Over there, we got Ray Ora joining us. Running the show today, we got Jonathan Voico and, of course, Taylor Gonzalez, fresh off of Loving Puss. Uh, He really, really enjoyed it. He loves it
1: so much. He had
0: a great puss experience uh, the other night. Of course, we were talking about Puss in Boots, but I'm sure uh, we'll get to that in the next day or so. Uh, Anyway, guys. And most importantly, we have you guys here. Thank you so much for being Wrong here. too, I heard.
1: <laughs> what? Since when?
0: <laughs> Thank you guys for being here and making this show part of your day. Here's how today's show is going to go. We'll break it down into two parts. First part of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show... We're going to take your live comments and questions. When we get to the end of the main topics, we'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. We only leave them open for just a couple of minutes, so you got to move quick. And that'll be your opportunity to fire in your thoughts, theories, opinions, and questions, and we'll address those in the second half of the show. Also, a little bit of housekeeping here on the podcast front. Don't forget, guys, if you need your daily fix of The John Campia Show, there is an audio-only version simply known as The John Campia Show Podcast. Go and search for it today and subscribe to it so it'll be there when you need it. Also... Starting, I think later tonight, we will be putting up our first episode only in podcast form of our 1923 after show. Now, a lot of times when we do after shows around here, we do them in video as well as podcast, but our 1923 one, the of course Yellowstone prequel that debuted yesterday, so good, uh, that will be in podcast only. So keep your guys' eyes open for that. And if you've got a question for our 1923, after show go ahead and email me at john at the john com. that's john at the john dot and make sure you put in the subject line 1923 if you don't put that in the subject line i won't know that you're sending that in for our after show a little bit later today also spoiler alert jonathan gave it away but we now have a podcast feed for our beloved weekly hero show Yeah, yay It is now up there. Go and find it and subscribe to it today for your audio goodness of the Weekly Hero. All right, guys. With that all down, let's get into a couple of off-the-tops here, shall we? And the first one we're going to start off is with this. The biggest madman in Hollywood is, of course, Tom Cruise. He has seemingly, at the age of 60, 60 60-plus now, continues to find ways to up the stakes up the risk, up the danger. I mean, he went from climbing the side of the world's tallest building, which that was adorable, <laughs> to literally <laughs> hanging on to the side of a jet that takes off and flies into the sky, which was charming. Then he does the the what, what do they call it? The twilight jump? Is that what they the, call
2: yeah, it? Yeah, those halo jumps. Halo yeah.
0: jump, that's it, not the twilight jump. Yes, that's something totally well, the different. halo
2: jumps at twilight. The yeah, twilight jumps at twilight. <laughs> yeah. the twilight
0: and then even in that mummy movie he has this incredible scene like whatever you think about the mummy that mummy movie that tom cruise did he has this incredible scene where they're in the plane and they literally take that plane up to the edge of the atmosphere and do absolute zero gravity so to where they're going around it he does craziest stuff well anyway we've got mission impossible dead reckoning part one coming up and They have now started, they're putting now the gas pedal down on starting to rev up the promo. And I don't know if you got some images there, Jonathan, but Tom Cruise, they put out a couple. First of all, there was this one that he put out. I believe he posted this on his social media where he's literally hanging off the edge. I think of a helicopter, helicopter or some little plane beside who he calls McHugh or Christopher McQuarrie, the writer and director of Mission Impossible. And he literally just, hey, guys, and then he jumps out of the plane. And as he's falling to Earth, he's just talking to everybody. So, hey, guys, thanks so much for supporting Top Gun. Uh, We've got this new movie coming out. Thank you for letting us entertain you and doing this crazy stuff. And then also they released the uh, feature. You guys who watched us with our CinemaCon coverage back in April, you guys remember we talked about this bonkers 10-minute feature they did just on this motorcycle stunt. And they did this like mini documentary on how they put together this motorcycle stuff. It is insane. It is absolutely insane. Like you think, okay, yeah, do motorcycle. Guys, you got to see this thing. It's absolutely crazy. This It's about 10 minutes long. Or what does it say? They're nine minutes and 22 seconds long. It is so worth going and checking out. That thing has now come out. They're putting the foot down on getting this thing going. And I got to tell you, just from these stupid little Listen, I don't get excited about movies from little featurettes. Like trailers can get you excited. Featurettes are interesting, but these two things have just made me go, that's crazy. By the way, since we're talking about Tom Cruise, I thought I'd share this thing. There's a um, a well-known thing in Hollywood called the Tom Cruise Christmas cake. You've probably heard seen Henry Cavill talk about it and others that the people Tom Cruise works with to make movies, he will send out every year a Christmas cake. Well today, I happen to have a Tom Cruise Christmas cake. I I don't even know if I can. How do I get this box open? I'm not going to do this right. It's in here. You just have to take my word for it. It's in there. There it is. Unfortunately, it's a coconut cake, so I can't eat it because I really don't like the taste of coconut. But maybe you guys can have a bite. Oh, I
2: definitely want a bite.
0: So Now, some of you, as Rob was asking me, wait a minute, how did you get the Tom Cruise Christmas cake? Well, I, I will tell you how I came into possession of the Tom Cruise Christmas cake this year. We actually had, I haven't got the permissions to say who they are, so I won't, but we actually had uh, some, some friends come over Friday night, Ann and I, who uh, worked with Tom Cruise and worked with Tom Cruise, and they decided to bring, they of course received the Tom Cruise Christmas cake, so they decided to bring it along. I thought we'd bring this for the party, so I thought I would show you guys. we got the Tom Cruise Christmas cake here. Anyway, <laughs> Rob, I know you have been crazy excited for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, even before CinemaCon. Yes. But then at CinemaCon, they showed us a bunch of stuff, including this insane mini documentary of Tom freaking Cruise flying off a cliff. I don't know. What did you think about the stuff we saw?
2: Well, you know, I I saw it again in IMAX 3D. And they had it. I don't know if they post-converted it or not, but it was in front of Avatar 2. And seeing it on the IMAX screen was insane. And then I watched it again. The version that's online is... Longer than the version they showed in IMAX screen, they showed all the build up to it, like when they were when he's learning how to ride the motorcycle and he was doing like he did 500 jumps and all that. I mean, dude, I, first of all, I think since Chris McQuarrie has taken over the Mission Impossible franchise with Rogue Nation and Fallout, that they have outbonded Bond, and I never would have thought that that would be the case. And I, I think that Dead Reckoning, we've only seen De- Dead Reckoning Part One. Between the stunt and everything we've seen from the movies, I mean, they give me—they have figured out a way to update the Bond formula in a way that the James Bond franchise itself hasn't been able to do.
0: And of course, Cruz has referenced that Bond is a huge influence. Oh on, yeah, on absolutely. Those films as well. And
2: yeah. and I I really love love the films. And I again, Chris Chris McQuarrie, you know, he peaked really early in his career. Like he got won an Academy Award for The Usual Suspects that he wrote in '95, and. And then he made way of the gun, and, and and kind of he wrote a lot of things, but he didn't he didn't get he was always destined to become a director, you know. And I know him a little bit. He's a really, really smart guy. And to see what him and Tom Cruise they worked together first on Valkyrie, and cause, which I think is
0: Tom Cruise's most underrated terrific. Film.
2: I think it's a terrific film. And since then they've developed this relationship, and and it's great to see that kind of synergy between a a megastar and a director because you see Chris McQuarrie has been his, he's rewritten most of Tom Cruise's material. He was a producer on, um, top gun Maverick rewrote that script. And now, you know, they've done, this will be the third and fourth mission Impossible movies they've done together. And I think that it's, it's, we're getting, I mean, as film goers, that their collaboration has been nothing short of miraculous and I love it. And to see what they're doing together, man, come on, bring it up. I can't wait to, The at the end of this featurette, Chris McQuarrie says, "Well, the only thing, like, when I'm done shooting this, Don't the, think only, it
0: more, well, the only thing that scares me more, the only thing that scares me more, is what we're doing for Mission Impossible Eight, which Man. looks like it might involve a train.
2: I think that's in this one too. Oh, is that in this one? too? I, I thought maybe
0: they're giving us a no, little. No, train's in Dead Reckoning One. Okay, well, yeah. So when he says, because I remember that at CinemaCon, he says the only thing that scares me more than the stunt we're doing is what we have planned for Mission Impossible Eight.
2: Or I mean, is Dead he going to dive? 2? Is he going to orbit dive from the ISS? He's literally going to wrestle a shark."
0: Like he's literally going to run the shark. Anyway, Chris, you had a chance. I mean, we saw the one feature at, at CinemaCon, which just blew us all away. Yeah. We now see this other thing uh, with the Tom Cruise jumping out of the helicopter. It's not even a trailer, but they're starting to ramp up the excitement for this. What did you think about what we saw?
1: Well, the one just thank you one, first of all. Let's talk about that. Of how at ease he is falling out of that plane. Oh, just God. like God. Oh,
0: well, even anyway, he's falling, he's just like... like just smiling. Just Hey guys, so I just wanted to say, you know, thanks, I'll see you thanks at the movies. so much. I think he's this has been falling. fun.
1: Uh, I should really kind of commit to what I'm doing, though. What? I get nervous when I'm walking near something that has a low railing. Like <laughs> Tom Cruise, you're a wild man. Good for you. This all looks awesome. You know, I I love that how you phrase that outbonding bond. Because really, when you think about how if they've upped the ante on all these stunts over the last few years, it really is incredible stuff. And the fact that Tom Cruise commits to doing it all of himself just floors me. Gosh, their insurance must be bananas. But I think Ray was going to jump out of his skin because oh, he was yeah, so yeah. excited.
2: I, I just wanted to say I can't
3: concentrate right now. Can I have some of that cake? Oh, you,
0: yes. <laughs> By the way, I, I managed. I got the box open. So if you there, there it is. There's the, uh, the Tom Cruise Christmas cake. So I yeah,
3: if I
2: have special powers after I eat some. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yes, you will be jumping out of planes <laughs> and piloting your own fighter jets. And The movies. thing about that is, he if you've worked with him, he sends those to you. Even if he worked with you 20 years ago. Yeah, I remember seeing Kirsten Dunst, I think, on Graham Norton, talking about getting Christmas cakes even today. Yeah, after uh, working with them on, on with Interview with a Vampire, yeah, like yeah. twenty five years ago, and and the, like it's become a thing in their family. Did the did the cruise cake arrive? You know, <laughs> yeah. they make, they make, I love. I, first of all, that's sweet. How yeah. cool is it that Tom Cruise does that? Oh, I, that it's it's pretty special. That's like a real I, I
0: move? I, look, you you can think what you want about Tom Cruise, and I certainly have some thoughts about Tom Cruise away from the movie industry and whatever. Sure. And that that's fine and fair. But if you're going to talk about Tom Cruise, the movie personality, and how he conducts business, and like beyond being the nutty, crazy guy who does his own stunts, like the way he does business, the way he tries to protect his crew, like all that kind of stuff, you got to have a lot of respect for the guy. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Have you had a chance to see these featurettes on Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning? And it just seems like the older, he's getting into his 60s and he's getting crazier still. This nutty stuff that Tom Cruise is doing. Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's do another off the top here, shall we? And that one is this. Now, of course, the biggest thing in movie news the last month or so has clearly been the formation of DC Studios and them getting their brand new head CEOs, James Gunn and Peter Safran. And they have decided to move fairly quickly. They have decided not to draw this out or let leave people waiting in a lurch. They let people know right away that either 90 percent, or 100 percent, or 89 percent, whatever. They're they're basically going to be restarting the DCU. And we know that we are not going to have uh, you know my my my, my boy, Ugh. my beloved Henry, is not going to be our Superman anymore. But but it's understandable. It's understandable because the options are. Keep D.C. mediocre or restart there's there's unfortunately no third option. Uh, just make them better. Sorry, the audience has given up on the D.C. universe. It's, it's been proven we, we, I, we can sit there and, and go through the numbers and the facts and the box office results and the like it's just there. You have to be purposefully sticking your head in the sand not to recognize that you can't just keep things going the way they are. Or just try just keep everything but just try to do it better now no it, it it's time for a restart even if that means i got i gotta lose henry even if it means that but there are people understandably all things are subjective and so like whereas maybe a lot of the audience haven't liked or connected with dc there are people who have and when you have something you like like me having henry <clears throat> we don't like it when things we like are getting taken away from us it It's human nature. It's understandable, of course. I mean, hopefully, though, I can cry and whine that I'm not going to have Henry Superman anymore and yet still take a deep breath and recognize the bigger picture. Well, there is a report that started going around last night. I had no less than six or seven people send me this report, like of our own viewers, sending this into me, and I saw it referenced in a couple of places online. And that report was apparently discussing film reporting that and, and you can bring this up jonathan reporting that uh the fire james gunn is trending so much right now that warner brothers studios is in talks to fire james gunn and replace him with someone else much more competent <laughs> much more competent
1: now oh that's really good journalism that's, right there. that's
0: fabulous journalism Man. right now so this this <laughs> has started going around maybe you guys have seen it already yourselves i wouldn't doubt if you guys have seen it yourself already i had a bunch of people sending this to me and it's starting to catch some traction again like i said a couple other places starting to pick it up resending it out all that kind of stuff and you know discussing film is not the hollywood reporter they are not variety but but they're they're a pretty good outlet man well there's a couple of problems here <laughs> a couple the, the first thing i noticed that was a problem for if you have seen this report Oh,
3: chat, just wait for it.
0: Yeah, chat's like, guys. (laughs) James Gunn, that Warner Brothers is in talks to fire James Gunn. You have to understand, James Gunn has no boss at Warner Brothers. Nobody can decide to say, except for one person and one person only. David Zaslav, he reports to nobody else. It's not like Kevin Feige's situation at Marvel, where Kevin Feige is head of Marvel, but then he has three layers of bosses, hopefully Bob Iger is going to start removing those layers, but he's got this manager above him, and then this manager above him. Thanks, David Zaslav, or uh, not David Zaslav, uh, Bob Chapek. This manager, then this manager, and then the CEO. So he's got several layers of people above him. James Gunn has nobody he answers to, other than David Zaslav himself, who's already made it clear he's going to let James Gunn have carp launch. Do do what you want to do, man. Get my approval for your budgets but I'm going to let you do what you want to do. So this whole thing, that's the first thing I noticed. Like, what do you mean Warner Brothers studio is in talks to fire? David Zaslav standing in a mirror talking to himself because there is nobody at Warner Brothers who has the authority to fire James Gunn. That's the first thing I noticed. But guys, here's the main thing. And this is for all of you who saw this report, were wondering about it, sent it to me. I want you to notice something very clearly. While that is discussing film's logo, discussing film's Twitter is not discussing films with an S on the end. It is discussing film. And then of course you can give yourself whatever handle you want, but your actual Twitter account is under your name and take a look at that name. I don't know if you have the ability. There it is. (laughs) Look at the name under discussing films. The actual Twitter account is a troll account that is literally at fire underscore James G. It is not discussing film. This is not a real report. And the only reason I'm bringing it up is because I started to see it proliferate and starting to go around. And we, need, we needed to equip you guys with the knowledge of, if you in your circles start seeing the story being passed around, you can now, you have the power to pump the brakes on it and let people know, guys, this is a fake report. This is not real. It's, it's whatever. Look at the Twitter account. It is not discussing film. It's some troll account that's done it. Now, that being said, how can something like this spread around? Some image of a tweet spread around quickly without anybody actually reading into it or looking into it. It's because of two things. I mentioned on the John Campia, Ask Me Anything Yesterday, that we, and I include all of us, you you as well, you watching the show, you too, us too, all of us. We have the attention span of guppies. We have the attention span of fish. So we live in a culture right now where nobody actually reads the entire articles anymore. They see a headline, they see whatever, and then they start running for it. But the other thing is, and we are all guilty of this, we're all guilty of this, confirmation bias. We all suffer from confirmation bias, which basically means if there's 100 pieces of information out there, and 12 of them are pieces of information that seem to support what it is we actually think, those are going to be the 12 things we pay attention to because it confirms what we think and what, and we're all guilty of it. We all are. So clearly a bunch of people see this thing about James Gunn trending and everything. And for some people, it's confirmation. Is he there? And they they don't bother looking into it. And we're all guilty of it. I'm not pointing fingers at any individuals. We're all guilty of this, but that's another case of this. And that is why we are always telling our audience, guys, don't just read headlines. Don't just read tweets. Whatever, actually look into it and see what's actually being talked about and discussed. Anyway, Chris, uh, you had you saw this uh, this piece of information yeah. going around. I don't know. What's your take on this whole thing?
1: This is why you look at the username. It's not that <laughs> difficult. I just I loved how many people were real worried about you, John, where they were like, John, it's fake. John, no, don't report on it. Stop. <laughs> no, we know, guys. But I think this is an excellent lesson in doing your due jil- diligence, right? And also, I-, I know I made a joke about it, but a reputable media outlet isn't going to make a stake like putting someone more competent into their headline. If they're going to say something like that, too, it's going to be a quote from someone else from some unnamed source good journalists remove themselves from things they don't put their own opinion in i mean that's why all of us here are pundits right because we're all just farts in the wind talking about our own opinions to be journalists yeah yes we're all just saying our thoughts and feelings on things we're not giving you hard-hitting news but this is why you always just need to double check the sources see who's actually saying things because so many people just spread nonsense around and also he hasn't even started so like what are you talking about (laughs) He's do it might job. be a
0: little hard finding the real journalist <laughs> on Twitter because Elon Musk has been suspending all this the real. This is very journalists. true. Yeah. Oh, what a but game. He, he reversed that. He reversed that. Anyway, <laughs> for now, uh, Rob, you you saw the same Listen, this isn't the first time we've seen something like this. No, but I mean, it just kind of points to the fact that it's not hard for a fake piece of news to start running again. Rob, I remember a few years ago, this was before Batman versus Superman came out. Somebody put on Reddit, I believe it was Reddit might have been a uh, dig before. I, I can't remember. One of those two sites, And they, there was an image where it looked like a tr- a frame from a trailer where it said Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, part one. And then the second one was Batman versus Superman, uh, enter the night or something like that. And everybody's like, oh, there it is. It's like some rando person made something on Photoshop Flopped it on and everybody ran with it. But so we've seen this before. This won't be the last time. What are your thoughts on this?
2: Well, the thing that really bothers me is, like, James Gunn is one of us. Like, he's a guy that has done nothing but give people in our community, people that love science fiction, fantasy, horror, superhero movies, he's done nothing but give us joy, you know, for the better part of two decades. And it's strange to me to see that him and Peter Safran, it's not like you're getting a bunch of guys that haven't delivered. But Peter Safran, between the comic book films he's been involved with and The Conjuring Universe, has brought people nothing but great stuff. You know, Annabelle, um, Annabelle creation is way better than it has any right to be. And, and James Gunn, same thing. And here these two guys are given, they're given the keys to the kingdom to be the architects of a brand new DCE universe, planning from the beginning. And I, I, I am perplexed by the the hatred that he is receiving from us, from our own, and I, and I include, me in, in included. I'm like, here's this thing I have wanted to see, a plan, John, a plan. Guys who come in that are tasked with making a plan, not a plan for the next year, but a plan for the next decade, a plan for the entire DC universe moving forward cinematically. That's what I want the most, is authorship and planning and a point of view. And we're getting that. And why are we bitching? Why are people trying to discredit James Gunn when all he's ever done is try to give everybody the coolest stuff possible? Well, we know why. Because well, it's
3: not what I wanted. Yeah, if
2: you to build something new,
0: and I get this, we all we all understand this. To build something new, you first must remove what was. Yes, of course. And there are people, I'm one of them, by the way, who really liked what was. The problem is. We, who liked what was, have to acknowledge, and we refuse to acknowledge a lot of us, that there are a lot of people who didn't love what was. Right. And they're not going to get on board with it magically now. And so, James Gunn is, the way some people are looking at it, and I get it. They're looking at that James Gunn steps in, and the first thing he has done is take away something they love. And that, that's going right. to be hard for some people. That's going to be hard for some
2: people. No, I, And I understand that. And I love Henry Cavill, too. But there was no contract. There was no film. It's not like there was a Superman movie that got canceled. Right. They didn't have a movie. They brought they brought it's Cavill not a Batgirl situation. No, they brought Cavill back for a cameo, which was very cool. And I love Henry Cavill Superman. And I would love to have seen Man of Steel 2 or whatever. But we did get three Henry Cavill Superman movies. There is a trilogy there, just like there's a trilogy of Christian Bale movies. It exists. And the fan community, one of the great triumphs of fandom ever is Zack Snyder's Justice League to get that movie, the money to have HBO Max finish it and put it out. That's the most epic win since not since Star Trek was revived for a third season by a letter-writing campaign for the sixty eight sixty nine season, has fandom triumphed as much as they did with the Zack Snyder Justice League.
0: By the way, I'm so glad you just said that because I was getting ready to read a, a comment with one of our live viewers. Hank Hopper was just asking, Rob, how does this situation relate to Star
2: Trek? Well, and I was getting ready to, to bring that up and then... You brought it home, baby. Yeah, I mean, I, that, it it it's true, but I, I mean, that was a fan letter-writing campaign that saved a season of Star Trek. Now, Fred Freiberger was host, uh, brought in to produce, and Gene Roddenberry's role was diminished, and the season's it's not trick. that great. But we still got it. I would say that Zack Snyder's Justice League was much better than I even thought it could have been, and it's an epic win. And it, it, it's like, and Henry Cavill's going to now do his dream job. Zack Snyder's creating his own universe over at Netflix. So all of these creators that everybody is supporting are doing great work. They're, they're getting to do things that they wanted to do. It should just be a party, a celebration. And I, for one, can you imagine if Ben Affleck gets to come back and direct a Batman movie? Uh, if so fun. If, 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 if they are doing what they're
0: saying they're doing and Ben Affleck wants to come and direct a new DC film, it can be any, I mean, especially any if it's movie? Batman, yeah. but it can be any DC movie. Yes. I'm gonna, absolutely my mind. But here's the problem. James Gunn is going to face and is already facing the same complication that David Zaslav is, right? Because it, you disassemble things very, very quickly. You build things very, very slowly. So the first thing we're going to see with both David Zaslav and with James Gunn is what they cancel, what they remove, and what they take away. And then we just got to sit with that for a year and a half until we actually get to see yeah. what they create, so it's it's going to be it's well. I think, be interesting as we go.
2: I think their announcement. They're gonna they're gonna make an announcement. He said after the first January, year, February. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna hear their announcement, and I think it's going to be ambitious, and I think it's going to be exciting. <laughs> And this is not me being some Warner Brothers shill. It's just I'm always I'm always excited. I thought,
0: we ha- I, I thought the internet word was that we hated Warner Brothers. Was at least that's what I
2: Apparently. got from people for like six years. Yeah. Oh, but I, I I've always loved Warner Brothers. I'm Although a I,
1: Disney sycophant, says my DMs.
2: Oh yeah, I don't like the way uh, Warner Brothers has bogarted the MGM library for their hundredth anniversary. But that's a different story. But I do like the what's going on, and I think John, we are going to get something to be very excited about as fans. All right, guys, question is
0: for you. This will not be the last time we see stuff like this. And again, all of us, there's no one particular person guilty of this. We are all guilty of this. Confirmation bias, as ridiculous as something goes up, people will take it, people run with it, be discerning in what information you see, look into it a little bit. Anyway, guys, questions for you. What did you think about this whole thing? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys, with that down, Let's get into our Mint Mobile hotline questions, plural, questions of the day, because we got two of them here today. If Hey, guys, if you got a question for the show and you'd like to hear your voice on our show, go ahead and call our hotline anytime, 24-7 at 951-268-4259. And our first hotline question here today is a little something about Batman, actually. Take it away. Hey, John, hey John and Chris. This is Diego from Chicago. I was calling in because it's well documented that Nicholas Holt was runner-up to be the Batman in the Matt Reeves version of the film, and was curious how you felt if Nicholas Holt stepped up to be the DCU's Batman. and bring on the filthy. And yeah, listen, you bring up a really good point. Lest we forget, I still remember covering this story back when I was still doing movie talk. Uh, that the finalists for the new Batman, although I, no, I was probably doing my, the solo John Campion show already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, it was, it was close. It was close. The finalists, the two finalists for being the guy who was going to replace Ben Affleck as Batman in the Matt Reese Batman was, of course, Robert Pattinson and then Nicholas Holt, which I think a lot of people, obviously, there was the Twilight Boy. There was those what, what, what? guys, sure. But, I think for both of those names, there was a lot of people when those two names came out, they were like, huh, really? Nicholas Holt, who is a fabulous actor, and Robert Pattinson, who is also a fabulous actor, and we got real excited when they announced Robert Pattinson, despite the fact that nobody else did. But Nicholas Holt was the runner-up for that, and he came close. Here's an interesting bit of history. When you guys were making Superman Returns, if brandon ralph was not superman the runner-up right up there was this actor by the name of henry cavill and later so obviously the role went to brandon ralph and later when they came back to superman again they went back to the runner-up from the last time around which was henry cavill it kind of seems to be a bit of the pattern I don't know if that means if they reboot Ant-Man that Joseph Gordon-Levitt will be the new Ant-Man, but this does seem to be what Warner Brothers has done. There is precedence for this. So when somebody, when they sent that in, I first thought, well, why? Oh, that's interesting because Nicholas Holt right now, he's a pretty hot name amongst the casting people in Hollywood at Mm -hmm. the moment. His turn in the menu, he's not the lead guy, but oh my God, he is so deliciously freaking annoying. In that, like, he's so good. He's so good in that movie. Um, and in everything that he's in. He's just a dynamite performer. So, again, if you're sitting at home going, I don't know, I have a hard time seeing Nicholas Holt as Batman. Did not we all think the same thing when they said Robert Pattinson? Clearly, Matt Reeves had a pretty good bead on what we... And look, The Batman is now one of the best films of the year. Spoiler alert, The Batman's going to be on my top 10 best films of the year list. Just give me a little bit of a heads up. So, you know what? I would not put money on Nicholas Holt being the new Batman in the DCU. But I wouldn't put money against it either because he is, A, a fantastic performer and actor. He is, B, in the right age range, at the higher end, at the higher end, but he's in the range. And C, Warner Brothers has already very seriously looked at him to be Batman before. So I wouldn't put money on it but I wouldn't put money against it. Rob, is this a case of history repeats itself? What would you think? Could Nicholas Holt end up being a Batman?
2: Yes, I mean, I, first of all, one, he's a great actor. Uh, he's already played a superhero, you know. And, yes, he has. And I think that um, he definitely could, and he's got uh, he's got the jaw for it. You know, <laughs> I certainly think that he could be uh, definitely be Bruce Wayne and, and be the Batman. I, I think that's always a possibility. I don't know. Again, it's hard to say because the Batman that's going to get cast, this new Batman, is going to have to fit in with the rest of... What I think is going to be really interesting is I do think that they're going to announce multiple castings when it comes to Superman, Batman, They're going to because they're going to have to. They're going to say, here's your new Justice League, and we're going to make individual movies with all of them. And it's going to be interesting to see how Nicholas Holt... It's, what the, I think what they're going to do is create an ensemble cast. For the DC universe going forward, and kind of like what they wanted to do with the Dark Universe over at Universal, and they gave you this great photograph of all those actors.
0: Yeah, that that turned out to be a didn't kind work, of a bad move. Didn't work out. <laughs> but
2: with the DCEU, I think they're going to get to do that, and I could see Nicholas Holt uh, as Bruce Wayne, Batman.
0: Now, by the way, some people in the live chat are are saying, and and I get it saying, what the hell are you talking about, John? He's at the higher end of the age range. He's he's a young guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah he is a young guy. But he's 33. And I think our assumption right now, we might be wrong. We might be wrong. What do we say about assuming? Assuming makes an ass out of you and you. But when you look at this, they already said that Superman was going to be a younger Superman, not a teenager. So we're figuring mid-20s to maybe at the most mid thirties. And the assumption is kind of, they're probably going to get their Batman to be aged with the Superman. So that's why I said Nicholas Holt, who is 33, totally a young guy. Yes. But I think 33 is going to be pushing the upper end of their range for the age they're going to be looking for for Batman. I think 33 is fine, but I think that's going to be close to the upper range. Anyway, Chris, you hear about this? What would you think of a Nicholas Holt Batman? And, and do you think that is something that could actually happen?
1: I mean, I think he'd be great as any character in the DCU. honestly. He's had a wonderful career. It's not often you have a child actor who really stays in the game and does a great job. Because we first saw him in About a Boy. That's when he first came on the scene here. And he's having a tremendous year or two right now, right? He's got the great. He's got the menu. He's a wonderful, wonderful actor. I think he'd be great as Bruce Wayne. I know he was also on all of our lists for Superman possibly as well. So I think he could do that too. And I'm loving people in the chat saying, and I, I understand this is probably, he's a little too old, but look at him. He doesn't have city miles on him. He looks like he's like twenty five. No, 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 yeah, like yeah, yeah. a,
0: a lot of the, even he, a lot of the Superman actors. we said, "Okay, this yeah, guy is thirty three,
1: but, but he could easily younger. pass for
2: 26. Well, and
1: that's just a Hollywood thing, anyway, yeah. right? We always play younger than we are usually. But he'd be a great <laughs> Terry McGinnis <laughs> too. Yeah,
2: he looks. I mean, look he looks at like this. Terry. there's In Catwoman
0: su- and Bruce Wayne right yeah,
2: there, right there. Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne. Oh, I would
0: watch that. <laughs> oh my god, I could totally see her as a Selena Kyle. Yeah, totally. Not that I don't love Kravitz as 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 But I mean, that guy
2: is that guy's Bruce Wayne.
0: Yeah, i seeing some people in the live chat saying Dick Grayson. i would be way too old for Dick Grayson in in this thing, unfortunately. But yeah, at at once upon a time, maybe a good Dick Grayson. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think? Could history repeat itself? After all, we've seen Warner Brothers take the runner up for a role and give them the lead role at another iteration. They did that with Henry Cavill. Could they do the same thing with Nicholas Holt? Maybe yes, maybe no. I wouldn't bet, bet against it. I wouldn't bet for it. But what do you guys think about that? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know Your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do one more call from our delightful Mint Mobile hotline today. And this one is about the potential future of Dwayne Johnson in comic book movies.
1: Hey, John. This is Dennis from Nashville, Tennessee. I just got a question. With everything going on with Dwayne Johnson and Warner Brothers, I'm pretty sure there's not going to be another Black Adam. So what do you think the chances of him going to Marvel are? And if he does, what would he play? thank you.
0: All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in Dennis. And yeah, look, I it's, it's well, there has been no official announcement or anything. Is there anybody in the room who thinks there's going to be a black Adam too? No mm. chance, no chance. I, so. I mean, look, I would be down for it. I, I've said before I'm on record. I've said, I think if they did do another black Adam, I think it would make a little bit more than this one did because I think the audience like me genuinely had fun with the movie, despite its clear and obvious shortcomings i still had fun with it i think a bunch of people did but with the direction of the dcu with the drastic underperformance of black adam i think it's clear i i I don't know if there's anybody who seriously thinks there's going to be a black adam 2 at this point i mean i i think the writing's on the wall it's pretty clear there's not going to be another one all right question then becomes Does Dwayne Johnson now have the taste for the superheroics? I mean, he kind of plays a superhero in almost everything he does, but but now that he's played in the sandbox and in the playground of the comic book superhero movies, could the future of Dwayne Johnson be to shimmy on over to Marvel? I mean, clearly, after they announced that Henry Cavill wasn't going to be in, everybody was like, bring him to Marvel, make him this character, this character Marvel. Like, everybody wants to see him go over to Marvel. What about Dwayne Johnson? Dwayne Johnson, who is my second favorite movie star in the world. I'm not saying he's the second greatest actor in the world. Not at all. I'm just saying he's my second favorite movie star in the world. He's got charisma for days. He's got a long history of success. I mean, could he end up over at Marvel? It's a good question. I will say this. And I say this as a huge, you guys know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Dwayne Johnson super fan. I, I love Dwayne Johnson. And I say this as a big Johnson super fan. In the words of vincent mcmahon no chance in hell uh, I, at least let's put it, let me redefine that i'd be shocked if they if an announcement comes out two months from now that he's joining the mcu i, I will be shocked i'll come on and say man i gotta tell you i'm super surprised i do not see it at all happening and you know what marcus y in the live chat just nailed it the rock wants too much control the rock wants to be in charge and one of the things that we saw, like I'm not going to get into the he said, she said, and who's to blame, and all that kind of stuff, but like we saw him involved in a ensemble project before in Fast and the Furious, and maybe he don't play so well with others when he is not. I mean, let's face it: Dwayne the Rock Johnson is one of the most powerful figures in Hollywood, other than like the real power players, Bob Iger, David Zaslav, the heads of studios. But he's got a lot of influence and a lot of power, and He likes, hey, listen, who wouldn't? If you have that kind of influence and power, you'd love to be able to flex those creative muscles and and do that. I get that. Totally. I think all of us would be in the same boat. But Dwayne Johnson likes to be in control of the narrative. And that will simply not fly at Marvel at all. And so on the one hand, I don't think Marvel would look at him. I don't think Kevin Feige would look at Dwayne Johnson and think there's a place for you over here. And honestly, I don't know that Dwayne Johnson would be a creatively fulfilled or happy going into the plate, going into a system and into a place where he is literally a hired hand and has no input and has no say. I don't know if that would make him happy or satisfied or just leave him frustrated. And I think somebody like Kevin Feige, look, other than the botch job that Bob Chapek did with, um, Scarlett Johansson there has never been talent unhappiness at all at Marvel everybody who works at Marvel loves working at Marvel they love being in those movies they all have a good time you look over at DC dude it's been drama after drama after drama and I think Kevin Feige would probably look at Dwayne Johnson's history and what has kind of followed him a little bit And so I I think for Dwayne, it wouldn't be a great move. I think for Marvel, it wouldn't be a great move. And I'm going to say this. I mentioned off the top, he is my second favorite movie star. Second only to good Canadian kid, Ryan Reynolds. I love Dwayne Johnson. But nobody's going to stand up and say, you know, someday he could have an Oscar on his mantle. There's nobody saying that. And I don't know that he has the pure dramatic acting chops because you're talking about Sir Anthony Hopkins. You're talking about Robert Redford in Marvel. You're talking about a playground with uh, Sir Ben Kingsley. You're talking about an Academy Award nominated actors and like all this. And I, I don't know that he would fit in. So, you know what? I'm more than happy to keep watching Dwayne Johnson movies that aren't Netflix originals. I'm more than happy to continue to watch Dwayne Johnson do the Dwayne Johnson thing. I just don't think it can be at Marvel. Chris, you know, it's it's an interesting question they bring mm-hmm. up. Like he's not going to be connected with DC anymore, probably. And we don't know that officially until Warner Brothers puts out a statement, but I think we're all assuming he won't be. Mm -hmm. Could there be a way that he ends up finding a home at Marvel? I mean, all (laughs)
1: things are possible ultimately, right? However, I think given the everything you just said about Marvel, I don't think he'd find a home again at Warner Brothers really either, because I feel Mm -hmm. like James Gunn is also used to a certain type of work ethic and a certain caliber of actor and everything. And and here's the thing, too. I I really do like Dwayne Johnson. I think he's a wonderful, charismatic performer, Um, but performers also constantly are working to up their game, right? So if you do want to be on that Anthony Hopkins caliber, you're constantly still getting coached. When you look at the credits of these films, y'all, a lot of times you'll still see that somebody has an onset coach. Somebody still has some instructor that they're working at because this is a muscle that you are constantly using, right? If you have any job in the world, you're constantly getting new certifications, learning new skills, etc. Acting is no different. So I think that Dwayne Johnson can definitely get to that caliber so long as he puts some ego aside and really keeps pushing and doing everything, right? Because I think he's done some things where we see there are moments of greatness and he could really do some cool stuff.
0: Yeah, he his little films, first of all, Snitch, mm-hmm. I think two films that I really, I think showed off his acting potential, Snitch and Faster, or sorry, Fast. Yeah. Um, that, that one he did with, um, the girl from Dexter, uh, Jennifer I keep, I forget Jennifer's last name. The one who played Dexter's right. sister. Um, but I, I, so he's, he has shown, he, yeah. right, he has shown flashes of that. And before. I think he
1: could really push himself. Cause I would, I honestly, if he stayed in, in, you know, the, the Warner brothers universe and everything, you know, we've talked about how like Jason Momoa, will maybe switch over to being Lobo. I'd honestly love to see Dwayne Johnson be dark side. I think that'd be really rad. Whoa. He's got the physicality. He has the booming voice. I think if he really delivered that kind of just pure, unadulterated evil, it could be really cool. Vin Diesel could be Groot, why not? Yeah, we saw glimpses of that with Black Adam. So I think there's some really cool stuff he could do so long as he's willing to play nicely in the sandbox, whichever one hands up in.
0: Rob, uh, I, I mean, look, again, it's, it's a fair question that gets brought up. If he's not going to be DC anymore, <laughs> could there be a home for Dwayne Johnson at Marvel?
2: I Look, here's the thing. With anything that Dwayne Johnson plays, it's Dwayne Johnson is always above the character. Mm. It's Dwayne Johnson is, stars in. And it was Dwayne Johnson as Black Adam. And I think the biggest problem with that is that it's the character that should come first. And you know, at Marvel, there's this debate, all the way back to Anthony Mackie saying this, that the stars at Marvel are their characters. But what Marvel has done a great job of doing is, is putting their characters front and center, but then they find great actors to play those characters. And the actors themselves never try and overshadow the character. Nor do the playing. actors ever come first. It's not like, they, let's get this actor, now let's
0: find somewhere no. for them.
2: Yeah, they don't do that. And and they it's a synergy between the character and the actor. And that's why I think part of Marvel's great success is that. And I think one of the... I look at Black Adam, and I wanted to love Black Adam. I really did. I went in wanting to love this movie... Uh, the JSA was there, seeing Dr. Fate on screen and Hawkman on screen and Adam Smasher on screen. I was, like, excited. But the problem that I had with that movie was, why wasn't the script better? If Dwayne Johnson had all this control, and this is your dream project, you've been talking about making this movie for fifteen o- years, over a decade. Yeah, why isn't your script better? And the, the, the stuff with the little kid and the, all the, the it, it felt very not special. And like we talked about, it, I've seen Dwayne Johnson in pain and gain. Which Paint, I also thought he was pretty good. I, I in. thought he was really good in that. And and you know, it's a Mark Wahlberg movie, but he he was playing a character in that movie. That movie was not billed as Dwayne Johnson stars in. It was a buddy crime movie. But was it he, Get Shorty? Was the was the other like
0: earlier? Is that was that the name of it? Was it was it Get Shorty? Well, there was. Oh, it was the sequel. Yeah, it the was. Story, yeah, but it was, yeah. That, that, um, was but that. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 Where he just kind of fit in with that and he, did yeah, it. Yeah, and, in and
2: it. I think I I love Dwayne Johnson's work ethic. I love his persona. I love what he's doing, but the problem is even even the way he is, he overshadows things. It's got to be you're watching a Dwayne Johnson movie. When you watch Skyscraper, or you watch San Andreas. It's all kind of the same thing, and I would be, I think making him Dark Side's a great idea.
0: Randall Savage,
2: I one mean, of those. yeah, somebody like that. I, I, the
0: reason a, I like the dark side one is because a little more monotone, mm-hmm. it's a little more dialogue limited. He could bring that physical presence, anyway. Guys, question is for you What do you think about the quest? I think it's a fair one. Like, could you possibly see a future where Dwayne Johnson moves over and joins the MCU? I, I, I don't see it happening. I don't think it'd be good for Dwayne or Marvel, but I don't know. How do you guys see it? Can you see an open door there? Whatever you guys think jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts all right guys with that down we're going to take a second here because you were talking about dwayne johnson and that smooth bald head of his well you know what oh, no. let's take a little sponsor segment and talk about taking care of your junk one of first of all keeping it a nice and smooth and then wrapping it up in something equally as smooth let's thank our sponsors at <laughs> no, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. At MeUndies, and of course, Manscaped. The planets have aligned. <laughs> the holidays are officially upon us, and it's time to start celebrating. Do your thing and holiday your way with MeUndies, because it's the most wonderful time of the year to try MeUndies, because they're currently offering a very merry deal. Get 20% off your first purchase with free standard shipping and free returns when you go to MeUndies.com slash Campia. Guys, you know I've been wearing MeUndies for a while now, because I used to be like everybody else. I would go to the big store, buy the biggest box of the most generic underwear, and I thought that was good enough. But ever since I started MeUndies and started wearing the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn in my life, I swear on this Christmas season, I will never go back. So get your holiday shopping finished early and start making time for yourself with the new MeUndies Holiday Collection. Their undies, long underwear, and sleepwear are made out of the softest, most supple fabric you've ever felt and are guaranteed to bring you comfort and joy to all of your loved ones. Shop their classic plaid, prints for a traditional picture-perfect style or get festive with their adventurous limited edition sweater prints available in sizes extra small all the way through 4xl me undies has what you need to make all of your favorite people smile this holiday season all in one convenient place so to get 20 percent off your first order free shipping and a hundred percent satisfaction guarantee go to meundies.com campia guys we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video Manscaped. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends over at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert with the help of Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer and gift yourself or the man in your life the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim up your pumpkins by going to Manscaped.com and use the code CAMPIA for free shipping and 20% off and this year i am so thankful for manscaped because like most of you guys i used to use neanderthalic dark age methods to trim my balls not anymore thanks to manscaped it's time for all of us to give thanks to manscaped performance package 4.0 or as i like to call it the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. The heart of the package, their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code CAMPIA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the promo code campia be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from manscaped your balls will thank you and thank you to our friends both at me undies and manscaped guys and all seriously we joke a lot the products that manscaped create and deliver are absolutely fantastic if you're a guy if you're a man i think you would really love this stuff check them out and i was i was literally no lie asking me in this room we were talking before the show i love my me undies i get excited every month when the new underwear shows up i love putting them on they're super comfortable so again thank you to both of our sponsors there me undies and manscaped all right with that down let's get into our main topics here today shall we and how do we select our main topics here in the john campus show well that's easy that's where you guys come in because you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime, 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia show with that down. Chris, what is our first main topic today? Our first topic comes from Blake. Hey John,
1: did you see that universal has released the first official trailer for Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer online? And boy, does it look like Killian Murphy is coming for that Oscar. This is my most anticipated film of next year. And I can't wait to see how Nolan tackles this pivotal moment during world war II in a way that is exciting. and also true to history. What are your thoughts on the trailer?
0: Thanks. All right, Blake. Thanks a lot for sending that out. And ever since they made the announcement, you know, we, we knew because of all the nuclear fallout that was happening, uh, no pun intended, that was happening at Warner Brothers with Jason Kalar, you know, ditching the movies onto streaming, all that kind of stuff. Christopher Nolan was none too happy. And he said, Ciao. And he left. And then we were all waiting to see where would he end up? Like, what would be his next home? Turns out it was Universal. They announced his next project was Oppenheimer. And instantly we were all fascinated. And then we've been getting these little glimpses. It is one of the most packed casts that we've seen in, in, in a while. I mean, it's absolutely incredible from top to bottom. And now the full trailer is out. And it's everything I was hoping it would be. It is packed with tension. It draws you in. Again, it's a first trailer, so it doesn't go a lot into that. But it's actually giving you a pretty good idea about what this movie is, even for a first trailer. I expect the second one to be even more bonkers. But for a first trailer, man, I'll tell you what. I was watching this. I was tense. (laughs) I was on the edge of my seat. I think Murphy looks like he may be be getting in line for one of those Oscar nominations next year. We'll have to wait and see. I loved what I saw. Rob, you had a chance to see this. Is this the trailer they showed in front of uh, Avatar? No, it's different. Oh, it's a different
2: one. It's different because the one they showed in front of Avatar had a scene with him sitting down with with, um, um, Matt Damon. And there's a conversation between them. I I love the trailer. I mean, when you see it in IMAX, at least when we were, the sound alone, it was Christopher Nolan's sound, you know. They didn't have the, but they did have enough of a, rumbling thunderous bass that you were just like, Oh my God. Um, You know, I love this whole story and we're going to see apparently a lot of Oppenheimer's life. So it's not just going to be the world war II, the Manhattan project and all that fascinating character. And, you know, after seeing um, Dunkirk, I love seeing him come back and telling yet a totally different story from world war II. this film, it, it looks incredible. And I think the fact that it's all shot with IMAX cameras, you know, Christopher Nolan has a very distinct kind of a style. It's a very it's very meticulous, but it it has there's something about the way he shoots things that is very unique to him that I just find delicious to look at. So whether it's, you know the, the prestige or whether it was uh, uh, the Dark Knight movies or of course Inception or even Dunkirk, this has that same Nolan thing. And I, I'm so there for it. it. This movie, it's nice to see a film that is not an escapist. Not that I don't love it, but I like historical dramas. And to see, to see someone like Christopher Nolan make one. How many people have the power in Hollywood to get a studio to make a movie about Robert Oppenheimer?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and you know the
0: the one of the things I didn't know till I was watching this trailer, I thought the whole movie was in IMAX black and white, and it wasn't until I saw the trailer that oh, so they're gonna use that for dramatic effect to go in and out what's the line it i forget the exact line but something like they won't fear something until they understand it and they won't understand it until they see it i'm i'm paraphrasing it but i'm like listening to that and think i'm like going oh my god anyway chris You had a chance to see this trailer. What do you think about the trailer for Oppenheimer?
1: Oh, This is on my most anticipated (laughs) list. I'm very excited about this Um, because American Prometheus is a fascinating book. I highly recommend you all read it. I'm going to read it over break again. Which is what this is based on. Yeah, and I think this is just going to be really, really incredible. I usually don't gravitate towards World War II uh, dramas or anything like that, but when it is about the science and how that led to innovation and also atrocities, though, I find that dynamic really, really fascinating of, you know, how progressive something can be, yet debilitating to humanity, and I think it's a really interesting juxtaposition to explore. Um, They are such a killer team. You know, Killian Murphy and Christopher Nolan have been working together for so long, and Killian Murphy's really been just doing consistent, excellent work on things like Peaky Blinders. I've loved him ever since Breakfast on Pluto and things like that, and I really do think this is their award season pitch, the two of them really, really coming up to bat
0: to get some Oscars. What a
2: great poster. Mm -hmm. Oh, that
0: is fantastic, but also I he didn't get enough love for a quiet place too i i thought what he i thought he was just he blended into that world instantly i i just thought he was terrific in that anyway guys question is for you did you have a chance to see the oppenheimer trailer we all loved it i mean i cannot wait to see this thing how did you feel about it whatever your thoughts are jump down into the comment section below and leave your thoughts there Ray.
2: I gotta say, Uh-oh. this is one of the best cakes I've ever had. Uh, dude. <laughs> it's so I, good. I, I was just thinking this, that this has got to be one of so the greatest cakes I've hungry. ever had in my life. It's, it's not, not a hungry cake. <laughs> it's not because I mean, it's
3: Tom Cruise. It's, it's sat really good. A couple days too, and it was amazing. It's, it's so really good. good. There's things. There's like white chocolate in here or mm-hmm. something.
2: It's, it's really magical. good. This is one of the greatest cakes. Can I've ever Can you
0: please send us one? Yeah, I, I can't eat it. Of course, it's got. Come on, Tom, Tommy, Tommy
3: boy. Just All right, out the
0: <laughs> with that down, guys, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? Chris, what is our second main topic today?
1: Our second topic comes from Brandon Cunston. Hey, John and crew, big fan of your show. Like you, John, I love Yellowstone and everything Taylor Sheridan creates. I just watched the first episode of 1923, and it's amazing. The show is bigger in scope than 1883 with storylines in Montana, Africa, and a residential school. Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford are fantastic in this show. Have you seen the first episode yet? What do you think of it? Thanks.
0: Uh, Yeah, I watched the first episode, 1923. It's great. Now, one of the very first things, I I was telling Rob before the show started today that before watching the first episode, I was a little bit confused about who's Harrison Ford because he's not James Dutton from 1883, played by Tim McGraw. He can't be James Dutton's son because he's too old to be James Dutton's son. So I'm like, well, so because there's about 40 years that separate 1883 and 1923. So, I mean, who's the character? So he's James Dutton's brother who after James Dutton dies, he comes in and raises James Dutton's two sons himself. And so it's like, okay, now this all makes sense. And by the way, that's all explained in the opening, the, the very, very opening of the show. So I'm not spoiling anything narrative wise here. Number one. I was floored by the cinematic feel of it. I mean, they shoot this thing like a movie. The cinema, this is cinematic cinematography. The way they utilize the landscape. Yellowstone does a great job of it too, but 1923 seems to have upped that and really immersed you in the land, right? Which is the central character of 1883 Yellowstone and 1923, really. Harrison Ford, this is the first time I've seen him starring in a TV show you'd think this, he's been doing this his whole career. He immediately is this guy. There's a scene where he's like holding court. I won't tell you the, the nature of the scene, but there's a scene where he's sitting at this table basically holding court. And yeah, he's a Dutton. And oh my God, I, I how old is Harrison Ford now? Was he 80? He's like, yeah. 81, 82. I don't know, uh, Taylor, if you can look that uh, up. He's 80. He's 80, okay. At 80 years old, I don't want to mess with him. The way he, he carries himself in this thing, like you instantly feel like he says one line to somebody. He's like, you want to fight me? And like, you just, he's an audience member. You're watching like, ain't nobody going to say yes. Nobody wants to mess with him. I love it. Helen Mirren. Oh my God. Like there's, there's, there's a moment. Cause you see him doing all this stuff, right? You see Harrison Ford doing all this stuff. Then again, and you haven't seen him and Helen Mirren together yet. And there's a line he says when he's talking to one of the ranch hands and he says, I don't know. Let me check with the boss. That ain't just a platitude because if there's anybody powerful enough on screen who the Harrison Ford character can refer to as the boss, it's Helen Mirren. And oh my God, she's so good in this. There's a great scene with her and a younger woman. Oh, and again, that, she was that awesome. scene was so good. That's the younger woman. There's a scene between her and this younger woman that I'm like, I... That scene, if just somebody showed me that scene, I'd be like, I'm in. this. The, I am into this show. Whatever it's going to bring me, I'm completely into this show. Uh, the scope of it, it, it definitely felt like 1923. Seeing the Yellowstone barns and stuff like that, like that felt really connected and everything like that. I loved the first episode. Now, listen, I've had a couple of shows, the last year's show, where I loved the first episode. Obi-Wan was on. I loved the first episode of Obi-Wan. Book of Boba Fett. I loved the first episode of Book of Boba Fett. She-Hulk. I loved the first episode of She-Hulk. I ended up not really liking any of those shows. So maybe that happens with 1923. So all I'm talking about right now is the one episode. and But yeah, man, this one episode is pretty fucking great. Anyway, Rob, you had a chance to watch 1923. What do you think about the first episode?
2: I loved it. I mean, and here's the thing: one of the things I really liked about what they're doing with this entire call it a franchise now. I love the milieu because what they've 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 figured out a way to make this incredibly cinematic. It's beautifully produced because, you know, they have a they have a um, a city scene, you know, scene in the streets. If you look at it, the way it's shot, they've got some overhead shots, and they've got one street that they've dressed. And by the to way, like- they
0: built that
2: street. They yeah.
0: showed in one of the making up featurettes. They actually built all the facades and built that street.
2: Yeah, and what's great about that is they utilize it in such a way that 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 that's all they need to sell the fact that they've got this downtown 1923 street. And outside, you see women uh, for prohibition. You know, they're like this drinking establishment, and those the, when they're going in. No, it's it's a soda fountain. Oh yeah, and what is the the the, the women are like? <laughs> there's the joke about well, what is the the whore, the whorehouse was called right, something don't, else. And, don't don't well, give away. The, well, no, but thing. I mean, it's just. It, it, no, no, but it's just the details. This is all just details, you know. The details. It really set the time and the place, and it was really cool to see how they're going to deal with everything that's been going on in the United States at that time. And you know, the 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 primary focus when they talk about. Rather than deal with like grapes of wrath, wrath dust, dust bowl, American stuff, they talk about there's very real ecological problems the ranchers face. That that is a very credible. There's a credible threat that they they set up about what the problem is about being a rancher in that era and at that time, and I loved it all. And then of course the character interplay and everything that's going on and. I, I just thought they did a great job setting up this entire milieu, and I can't wait to see where this goes. And like you said, anchoring this with Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford is genius. I mean, because you're, they're movie stars. So there's a gravitas and a weight that they bring to each scene. And my God, I wish TV was filled with actors of their caliber, because, man, I could just watch either one of them do anything. Incredible. Guys, I
0: want to remind you that a little bit later today, make sure you go and subscribe to our After Show podcast feed because uh, only on our, on our podcast feed, on our After Show podcast feed, will you hear Rob, and I be doing our 1923 After Show podcast. And once again, if you have a question or thought you'd like us to address on it, email me at john at thejohncampusshow.com and put 1923 in the subject line. Guys, question is for you. What did you think about the 1923 premiere episode? I was very, very satisfied with it. Now, will it continue to be good? Will it fall off like some other shows that I liked when they started? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, but I think it's off to a great start. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three, shall we? Chris is our third main topic today
1: oh, our third topics from freddie lane what's up
0: freddie dear john
1: i recently read a report that stated donald glover is in talks to star and produce a spider-man spin-off about the character hypno hustler i could have sworn that seeing him in spider-man homecoming and mentioning his nephew miles morales meant we would see him return as prowler any thoughts
0: have a great day all right freddie thanks a lot for that and yeah that was never going to turn into anything I remember that was just a fun look. Donald Glover's always talked for years about his love of Spider Man and all that guy. He got to voice Miles Morales actually in one of the anime, not the move, not Spider Man, but in in one of the television things too, right? He's he's a huge, huge Spider Man fan. His appearance in that movie was simply as, look how fun this is. We got Donald Glover in there, who's so they were never going to turn that into anything. But you're right. News broke that Donald Glover is going to be starring in the next Sony Spider-Verse world, if you will. The news broke um, that that he's going to be... Let's bring up that web page there, Jonathan. The news broke that he's going to be starring in it. And it looks like he's going to be playing this character called the Hypno-Hustler. Yeah. I am going to confess, I have never heard of this character. Uh, in, in, in the years that I read Spider-Man comics... I, I never came across Hypno Hustler myself. Uh, to get a little bit of information on this, let's go over to the folks at the Hollywood Reporter who wrote the following. Miles Murphy, the son of actor and comedian Eddie Murphy, is on board to write the project, which is kind of interesting. Hypno Hustler is not considered one of Spider Man's top villains. No kidding. In fact, he regularly shows up on the worst supervillains lists. But. Sources say Donald Glover sparked to the musical aspect of the character and the fact that he has less Marvel canon baggage, freeing him to greater interpretations. The project could be anything from a disco period piece to a reimagined modern hip-hop version or even a cyberpunk future play. And this of us comes, of course, from The Hollywood Reporter. Okay, so Sony's a little bit mixed right now on their Spider-Verse stuff, uh, not counting the animated stuff which has been crushing it absolutely crushing it i loved venom i really liked venom Two. M- morbius happened <laughs> morbius it a happened.
3: Movie. it's a movie it's a movie
0: um now we've got another project coming that i'm very excited about in craven uh with uh why i keep freezing on kick name uh parentale johnson which I, I, I'm actually quite excited about that. I think it's going to be really, really interesting. Uh, then what's the other one? Then they've got, I was not interested in Madam Webb until we started hearing what that movie might be about. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, wait a minute, time out. That actually sounds really good. So I'm very curious about that. And I love Donald Glover. I thought he was actually, even though I was a little bit skeptical, I loved him as a young Lando Calrissian. Um, Atlanta is fantastic. I was the Martian. In- Uh, Oh my God, his small, small role, but he killed it in The Martian every moment that he's on screen. I mean, so for him to come home and to have his own Spider-Man universe kind of movie is very exciting. But this sounds stupid. Mm. (laughs) Wow. Come on. Come on. John, embrace the dumb. This could be fun. Maybe, maybe that's the hope. That is the hope. But come on, this sounds stupid as hell. It really does. The hypno hustler Mm -hmm. who uses his music to hypnotize and entrance the people hearing it so he can rob them. And his boots release the knockout gas. And his boots
3: release the knockout gas. Donald, what are you doing? What are you doing? Don't you believe in Donald, though? Having a blast. He could make something out of it. I
0: don't know, man. I don't know if even Donald, an award-winning storyteller, with this dude's got Emmys on his mantle. What are you doing? You, you, you're Donald Glover. You could do. A, you you could probably persuade Sony to let you do a lot of different things in the Spider Verse. Look, I I I'm not gonna lie. I want to be excited about this. I am very pro Spider Man, Sony uh, Spider Verse stuff. I'm very pro. I love Donald Glover. But what the fuck? <laughs> hey, I, what am I looking at here? Anyway, Chris, you seem a little more enthusiastic about this than me. What do you think I about this? I fucking
1: love this. <laughs> I think this is so weird. I'm so excited. If you can't tell from the name Hypno Hustler, this character appeared in the late 1970s. Those are the mercy killers behind him who help him hypnotize people with their backup vocals. Ah, what? He's, he's only, okay, this is what's fun hey, wait, this, this wait. is what's really really fun about this though Hypno Hustler only appears like 14 times in comic book history 14 times so that whole there's no baggage here thing is awesome because you just have this very weird character that no one really knows about that you can do so much with and you got childish Gambino playing him so you can do some real funky fun vocals and shit yes
0: I'm in Rob is anyone going to go buy tickets to see a movie called The Hypno-Hustler?
2: Me. Thoughts? Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> me. Yeah, the two of us are going. Yeah. <laughs> going. Here, here's the thing. Donald Glover already knows what he's going to do. And for me, he had a plan. Because you don't... Look at that. I'm a boogeyman. That's what I am. I mean, come on. I'm here to you, <laughs> a boogeyman. Yes. yes. I mean, the thing about Super Hypno-Hustler is, if anybody else... If, if the studio said, we've decided to develop this project... I would say this is ridiculous. But the fact that Donald Glover, creator of Atlanta, all the things we've seen him do, Childish Gambino, he, because he's decided to do this, he already knows what he's going to do, and I am sure what he's going to do is going to be wildly entertaining. It'll have a musical component to it, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a hell of fun project, I think. How it's going to fit into the universe, how he's going to do that, the tone of the movie... Uh, All I know is that I trust Donald Glover to deliver something good. And this was his idea. So he already knows what he wants to do. And the studio signed off on it. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll make this. I don't sleep on this movie, man. Rob and I are going to do
1: Ticket Watch. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Hypno-hustler Ticket Watch. I'm I'm so there for this. I I got a
1: jumpsuit and my sparkly boots that I can wear to the premiere of this.
0: Let's go. I... I, you know me. I want to be in love with this. Cool. I love Don Glover. I love this, the Spider-Verse stuff. Listen, to be fair, to be fair and to give myself hope, I was very against Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse for like a year. I poo-pooed on it. I thought, this is going to be dumb. Nobody cares. I didn't like the animation style I saw in the trailers, blah, blah, blah. And now I think it's one of the greatest single comic book movies of all time. So... Hopefully, I'll be able to walk this back. Hopefully, I'll be able to watch this at some point. But right now, I'm not going to lie to you, folks. I'm a little confused. I'm a little bit perplexed. Anyway, question is for you guys. Ray's loving it already.
3: Oh, <laughs> what do you think? It. I mean, listen, I, if it wasn't for the fact what they did in, in Suicide Squad, I'd see a Polka Dot Man movie. Hey, yeah. 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 I mean, that's so what James Gunn
2: was able to do. I mean, can you imagine there's going to be an opening scene <laughs> The opening scene is going to be this awesome musical number. And in the middle of it all, the, the mercy killers are going to come out. And when the entire crowd is hypnotized, you're going to see the pickpocket, everybody they're all going to be looking. And you know what that reminds me of some kind of a,
0: do you remember mystery men? Oh yeah. The opening scene, the dance at the seniors home. And oh yeah. Where are the red eyes. It yep. kind of reminds me of that a little bit. I just watched that by the way. I love it. 4k. Man. All right. Questions for you guys. What do you think? The Hypno-Hustler is coming. (laughs) But it's Donald Glover. So, I don't know. How are you guys feeling about it? Give me reason to hope. What do you think? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into our fourth and final main topic here today, shall we? Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? Our fourth topic is coming from Owen White.
1: Our, oh, Oh, maybe not. William Hossielk is doing this. Sorry, I have a different one on my uh, email. William Hosell. Hey John and crew, so despite Avatar The Way of Water opening lower than projected at 134 million, Deadline also pointed out that the day-to-day percentages were really strong, even better than Top Gun Mavericks opening weekend percentages. Combine that with great ticket sales past opening weekend and amazing audience reception, 94 Rotten Tomatoes audience score and an A on cinema score, could this potentially lead to good holiday legs for the Avatar sequel? I certainly hope so, as the film was an incredible big screen experience. Thanks.
0: All right, William. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And so the the opening weekend numbers are in. Now there are a lot of people who said I was crazy when I said I didn't think Avatar would hit two hundred million. Now I still I thought it would be higher than one thirty four. I, I I pegged in the one seventy to one eighty range, but I said it would not hit one two hundred million because, I mean, I wouldn't have been shocked if it did. But this is a well north of three hour long movie. Yep that is a sequel to a film that is about 10 years late because the first one came out like 13 years ago. 2009. I mean, there was a lot working against it, right? And as we try to remind people all the time, the first Avatar, which is the biggest box office hit in history, but it only opened to 70-something million dollars. It did not have, I mean, that's a pretty big opening for a lot of movies, but in the grand scheme of things, $70 million is not huge. And that movie went on to be the biggest film of all time. So I I have been very tempered in what my expect compared to other people. I've been tempered in what I thought this was going to do opening weekend. So how do you look at it? Do you look at the opening weekend numbers and say, well, 134. I mean, for a lot of movies, that's huge, but they were expecting like 180. Some people convinced it was going to be, I had a lot of people tell me, John, you're crazy if you don't think it's going to hit $250 million. There's a lot of people who felt that and think, well, well, it underperformed, did not live up to expectations. So how do we look at that? Or do you look at it the other way and say, well, oh my God, the first Avatar is the biggest hit of all time. And this one, Almost doubled what the first one did in its opening weekend. Oh my God. Do we go, oh my God, it almost <laughs> doubled what the first one did? Or do we go, oh my God, it underperformed? <laughs> What a lot of people <laughs> the thought. Tale of two, oh, my God. You have to do the glasses <laughs> off, <doctor>, though. My God. My God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Like this, which, oh, my God, is it? Is, oh, my God, it doubled the first one almost? Or is it, oh, my God, that it, under, it, it came in well under expectations? And expectations were high. Well, to put that into a little bit of context, the folks over at Deadline are very, very bullish on what this movie is going to do box office-wise overall. And they got some pretty convincing numbers. This comes to us from Deadline, who write the following. We got the word of mouth because the audiences are loving this movie. They quoted the A Cinema score, 94% audience rating, all this kind of stuff. We got the word of mouth. We've got a great movie. We have the screens and a clear run ahead throughout the holidays because they got no major competition coming. Uh, Beamed, Disney Executive Vice President of Theatrical Distribution, Tony Chambers. Providing confidence that Avatar 2 has a great play ahead are its stellar audience exit, an A Cinema score, 91%, and five stars on Comscore slash Screen Engine Post Track, and great ability to hold. Listen to this. Avatar 2's Friday to Saturday decline is only 16%. That is the best Friday to Saturday hold for a year-end tentpole release of late beating Rise of Skywalker, that had minus 47%. Force Awakens, a minus 43%. Spider-Man No Way Home, a minus 39%. The Last Jedi, a minus 39%. And Rogue One, a minus 35 Avatar 2's ease from Friday to Saturday is even ahead of Tom Cruise's Top Gun 2, which declined 27% between its first Friday and Saturday. And that again comes to us from deadline. Okay. I think to put this in context and keep everything in mind is that what we see here is pointing to an absolutely massive box office final total. Remember, this is a three north, well north of a three-hour movie. Limited screens, limited screen time, A lot of people, I've had a lot of you guys mention to me, and we talked about a little bit on yesterday's Ask Me Anything. A lot of people are waiting to see it on the premium screens. Like, a lot of people are trying, who don't normally try to see things in IMAX or 3D. They're like, okay, the IMAX screens and the 3D screens are all sold out. I'm going to wait till I can see it on an IMAX screen and a 3D screen. The exit marks are even higher than what the first Avatar was. It's got a clear path ahead of it. It doesn't have a lot of competition between now and the end of the holidays. This movie is going to be huge. And in the battle of oh, my God, or oh, my God, I think you have to take a step back and say, this thing could be it. You know, look, I've said forever, and I stand by it. I don't see this movie making $2 billion, but that's okay. This movie's going to make a shit ton of money is the scientific term. It's going to make a lot of money. And I think if you are Disney or whatever, you are looking at this and saying, we've got a movie that the audiences love more than the first one. We almost doubled what the first one did in its opening weekend. I think you're pretty comfortable. Mm -hmm. I think if you're James Cameron, I think if you're Disney, I think if you are the people behind Avatar, the way of water, which I am seeing today at two o'clock provided my tickets don't disappear on my AMC (laughs) app again today. So tomorrow we're going to be, the people asked for it on ask me anything yesterday They asked me to still do an open spoiler review. So we're going to give it to you. We're going to do an open spoiler review of Avatar The Way of Water tomorrow. So I'm going to see it today. I know it's late, but hey, it is what it is. But I honestly think, guys, that if you are the people behind Avatar The Way of Water, you are looking at this weekend numbers and why they are under expectations. You have to be
3: very comfortable. I mean, very comfortable. Just look at this. This is 2022. It's number 10 on opening weekend. It's already in the top 10 on opening weekend. Also,
2: mm-hmm. look Worldwide, at that number. Worldwide, it's but half look, a billion dollars. How yeah. do you say half
3: a billion is a
2: flop? Yeah. This movie will cross the billion-dollar mark by Sunday.
1: I agree If with not that.
2: more than a billion dollars, because people are holding out for all but already $434 million in four days. By the, this movie could cross a billion dollars by Friday, before next weekend.
0: I don't think it'll cross a billion by Friday.
2: Worldwide, remember, because people are out of school this week.
0: Yep. Here's the other thing, too. A little bit of perspective in 48 hours not counting the 72 but in 48 hours avatar the way of water made more than the lifetime run of black adam yeah Uh, just for context that that that's how so we can look at and say it hey it didn't meet expectations which is absolutely true it did not but keep it in perspective it made nearly double the original it made more than black adam did in this entire theatrical run there's some very
2: encouraging signs here well and that hold the hold number, what are we going to see today, tomorrow, for the rest of the week, during the week? This movie is going to be monstrously huge. People are, are off. They're, they're home from school. They're going to see these premium showings. They're going to be sold out the entire time. I really wouldn't be surprised if this movie hits a billion by Friday and certainly by the end of next weekend. That's enormous. Yeah. And then you've still got the week between Christmas and New Year's. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do.
0: And here's the thing. It made more than Black Adam in the first 48 hours. In 15 minutes, it made more than Morbius. Just 15 minutes, this very, very impressive feat. Anyway, Chris, mm-hmm. um, we're looking at these numbers. Yeah. They are not as lofty as what the projections were saying. Because sure. The projections were saying 165 to 180 in that kind of range. Uh, some people thought it would be much, much higher than that. Mm-hmm. It comes in at a still incredible, but more modest 134. It, which, oh my God, is it? It, like, should people be looking at my this? My God. Yeah, it's that
1: one. It's absolutely that one. We talked about this before when we were talking about box-off predictions. The holidays are bonkers, right? We all have so much stuff going on. Jonathan and I were talking about how we're probably not seeing this movie till after the break, possibly, mm-hmm. because there's just a lot of things to do. The first Avatar I saw on Christmas Day with my family, we saw that the first movie had great legs and it continued to make money all through its run there. That's what we're seeing here. But we at least have the naysayers who are like, no one's going to go see it. I mean, that's not no one. That's some people in there. I think this is just going to keep expanding, blowing up. More and more people are going to get in there. And we're going to see some strong numbers come through
0: 2023. Yeah, it'll cross a half a billion dollars today worldwide. By the end of today, it'll already pass, be past a half a billion in its first four days of release. Um, now, there is one potential bump in the road for it. Because to say, you know, we got a clear path in front of us. And it did look like that. But Taylor loves puss. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are mm-hmm. hearing really good things. Yep. Like crazy good things mm-hmm. about puss and boots. I mean, that could actually end up being a little bit more of a speed bump than maybe puss originally. Puss thigh planned. highs. Who knew that's what you were
1: into?
3: Puss always getting in the way. Yeah.
0: But, but, but but right, like, you really, really mm-hmm. enjoy this film. I'm hearing great Always things from them. a lot of
3: people about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just got, actually got back from Pandora again. Uh, I went last night, saw it on an IMAX 3D. But over the weekend, so I saw Avatar, then Puss in Boots, then Avatar. Both are such a treat. Either movie, you're in for, like, a visual feast. Both of them are just gorgeous to look at. Both of them are just, like, ooh, jaw-droppingly beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do see, especially with kids, I, I was talking to Rob, uh, Target has action figures toys uh in the kids aisle for avatar and i don't know how many kids are going to be asking for you know navi action figures for christmas but puss in boots uh i feel like everyone's gonna you know take their take their kids their grandkids their nieces their nephews to go see puss in boots so i do see competition i
0: am suddenly dying to see puss in boots like i really am so i i don't know maybe that could get maybe you know a family who might have gone to see avatar the way of water four times maybe sees it three times or two times because they also want to work in puss in boots to all that
1: well and these trailers do have a very like intense kind of war element to it so you also might not take your real littles to this movie but if you still want to go see a movie on christmas day play
0: of puss in boots could be very strategic Mm -hmm. here so it's gonna be really look i i think if you are still in the business of doubting james cameron it's guys it's a bad business to be in it, this is he'll give you the finger it's kind of like being in the rotary phone business or nice physical reference. media thanks rob missed that one it's like <laughs> being in the rotary phone business or being in physical media it's not Aww. a good business yeah. not a good business to be in today i, I think rob you're right like i don't know if it'll hit i don't think it'll hit a billion by friday but it ain't going to be long before it crosses that billion dollar mark yeah. and and then how high or higher it goes after that i don't know
2: well, the one thing is is that now that people are home from school, they can even go see the early screenings, in, in, whether it's IMAX 3D or Dolby Vision 3D or whatever. I think people are going to go see this, and the, the replayability of this is, I think, tremendous. I mean, Elizabeth is asking me, when are we going to go see it again? Simply because, as you say, John, movies are experiential events. I haven't seen an experiential event in the theater like this maybe since the first Avatar. It's been that long. I mean, this... This movie is a true event. I mean, I sat there, like I said, slack-jawed watching it the whole time.
0: Uh, I I love the live comment came in from one of our viewers, uh, Drew941. It says, hey, physical media rules. There are literally tens of us. (laughs) Hey,
2: man, I'm telling you, it's still making billions of dollars a year. It's going to be a while before physical media goes away. Oh, it's still going to be around for a bit. It's still going to be around for a bit for sure. Anyway, guys, the question
0: is for you. Are you an, oh, my God, or, oh, my God. Like, which one are you? When you look at this thing, there are different ways to to look at this thing, right? This same fact, but different perspectives. You can see it. Do you look at it as, oh, they must be so disappointed or, wow, they must be really enthusiastic. I don't know. How do you look at this? How much money do you think this can make? Are you one of the people who saw it already? What did you think of the movie? Are you planning, like Taylor, to go back and see it multiple <laughs> times? What do you guys think about this? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, we are now going to open up the Super Chats and hear from you guys. What thoughts, theories, opinions, or questions do you have about any or all the topics we discussed here today or anything else? Go ahead and start firing those now, but do it quickly because we only leave the Super Chats open for just a couple of minutes. Now, before we get to those Super Chats, we want to take another break here and thank a couple more of the sponsors of today's show. First of all, the great folks at DraftKings and, of course, Our major sponsor, Mint Mobile. Hey guys, we want to take a second to thank one of the sponsors of this video, DraftKings. This time of year, everyone's excited for the holiday spirit, but what about all the basketball? When it's time to throw down on the NBA action, it's got to be with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings. Same Game Parlays. Just download the DraftKings app, use the code CAMPIA, place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code CAMPIA only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877- Seven eight Hope NY or text Hope NY four six seven three six nine. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonuses issued as free bets. Eligibility in terms at sportsbook.draftKings.com/slash basketball terms. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. This holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you get another three months for free. Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home with eSIM while saving tons on phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know I've been using Mint Mobile long before this holiday deal and I have to say it is the perfect time to switch. I have absolutely loved using Mint Mobile and like I've told you guys many times, I am now spending less than one third of what I used to spend under one of the other major mobile carriers. And now with the whole buy three months, get three months free deal, it's... It's even better. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily and effortlessly with eSIM. Or if you need a new device, for a limited time, get six months of free service when you buy a select device and plan. So guys, for a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months for free by going to mintmobile.com campia. That's Mint Mobile mintmobile.com campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com campia. And thank you to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook for being a sponsor of the show. And also, of course, our main sponsor here, Mint Mobile. And in all serious, guys, if you are not on Mint Mobile, What's it like being that rich that you can just burn that much money every month? Seriously, <laughs> go over, check out mintmobile.com/campia. I have loved it since going over there, and thank you again to Mint Mobile because your mobile service provider is no good unless they become a sponsor of the John Campia Show sometime in the future. In which case, how you doing, AT and T? But no, seriously, Mint Mobile <laughs> awesome. Go check them out, guys. Did you get your temporary Mint Mobile tattoos? I did.
3: Oh I gosh. did. I'm They're saving so them though. Cute. I haven't put them on with like the Ryan them. Reynolds face yeah. on it
0: yeah i think it's fun really yeah yeah, yeah. they they sent they sent out this great package we have mint mobile sent out a package to a bunch of their customers where they Aww. gave you the temp tattoos which is the face of Ryan reynolds with mint mobile that's <laughs> hilarious because
1: the tattoos are temporary but the savings are forever
0: wow there you go <laughs>
2: oh boy it's
1: that's great
0: awesome. <laughs> all right with that down guys Let's now move into your live questions that you guys have been sending in, shall we? Chris, what are people sending in? Um, From A. Marcellus, is it safe to assume that Zachary Levy and Margot
1: Robbie are going to be out of the DCU as well? Maybe Viola Davis can stay the same way Judy Dench remained as M with different bonds?
0: You know, I, 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 I do think even in a reboot, you can pick one or two threads. Like I've said before, I think Peacemaker is pretty safe because... The only thing you have to retcon was that one little throwaway bonus scene in the finale with Flash and and Aquaman being there. So you're going to have to retcon a little bit, but for the most part, it was pretty free of a lot of strings to the greater DCEU, right? Like there were little references, but your references to Flash can still be there because there's going to be another Flash. So that's fine. Maybe somebody like an M character, like, like a Viola Davis. The Margot Robbie one is a really good question because James Gunn really likes her and he really likes her Harley Quinn. James Gunn has not told me this. He hasn't told me anything. I don't think Margot Robbie is still going to be Poison Ivy. And, or, or, sorry, is still going to be uh, Harley Quinn. And the only part about that, I've really liked her as Harley Quinn, even though I didn't like the fabulous emancipation of Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. The one thing that bums me out I really want that Harley Poison Ivy movie That that Margot Robbie's been talking about But I honestly I think Margot Robbie's going to be done as Poison Ivy I don't know what do you think I I keep saying Poison Ivy as Harley Quinn
2: I No I think you're right about that But here's here's what I don't There's no reason if you do Peacemaker Season 2 That it can't be in This universe it's in now Because you've got Flash You've got Shazam Fury of the Gods And you have Aquaman coming out there's still movies coming out. They're going to announce whatever their new new thing is. We're not going to get whatever this new DC universe is until the end of 2024, I would imagine, at the soonest.
0: So you think A Peacemaker Season 2 will come out before James Gunn's new Superman movie?
2: Absolutely. Why not? Because you could do that, and, and it... I mean, here's, here's the thing. Remember, we as fans pay attention to this, but the general population is not going... Well, the new DC, you know, they're not. The the movie going audience knows that we've had Michael Keaton as Batman. We've had Val Kilmer as Batman. We've had George Clooney as Batman. We've had Christian Bale as Batman. They're not keeping in their own minds. Well, it's a universe. It's this, that, and the other thing. They're just watching the entertainment. But it's a good point. Like, if if they can do season two of Peacemaker and say this is it,
0: and do that before the new DC starts up, I mean, th- that is a way to do it, actually. I, I think That's it's a, a way to thought. do it
2: because we're getting three more movies set in this u- other Including universe. Be- Blue Beetle. and Yeah, yeah four movies. Yeah, yep. we, I, I always keep forgetting Blue Beetle's theatrical. So, look, this new DC iteration is going to be starting from scratch, but we still have these other four movies coming out this year. And I, I think there's even a possibility that who knows what they can do? But we're I think we're too hung up on this whole idea of, well, it has to be defined in this way. Everyone's thinking either or, but people forget we, we're getting four more. And that's, by the way, a lot of movies. All right. What's next?
1: From Zach Marcello, on the topic of Tom Cruise insanity, can we take a moment to give some major props to Kate Winslet?
2: The up second here, part here. It. I done found it.
1: Just saw that during the filming of Avatar, she broke Cruise's record for holding their breath to shoot a scene with a whopping seven minutes, 15 seconds.
0: I know. Like, I, I look. That, I'm, I'm
1: the,
3: not, that sounds impossible. I'm That's not going to lie.
0: I don't believe it. I read that. I don't believe it. Now, I'm not saying Kate Winslet has lied to my face <laughs> several times. I'm not saying that. But. I don't believe it. I do not believe that Kate Winslet went underwater and held her breath for seven minutes. I don't buy because I read things she thought she was gonna die. like I believe she went underwater and held her breath for a long time. Mm-hmm. like I, I believe that i I don't believe seven minutes i i I don't know but if she did kudos like respect if she did I again I don't I don't believe it but if she did man crazy respect her because not only is she like literally one of the greatest actresses in the world oh yeah then doing that kind of hardcore stuff again crazy respect all right what's next from
1: sean Ryder, binge severance and would love an after show in season two
0: yeah i i can't see us not doing an after show for severance for season two um that'd be fun now whether or not it would be a, a youtube one or an audio only One, we'll find out, but I I think it's pretty safe to say we're going to be doing a severance season two after show for sure, because that first season was crazy good. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next?
1: From Josh Becker, loved Avatar 2, seen it three times, and I want to see it even more since there isn't much coming out until February.
0: The only way I'll see it is in IMAX 3D. Which is crazy. Like, you know me, I think 3D is a useless gimmick, but you sold me. I I was looking around for the theater that I could watch this thing in IMAX 3D, and I found the one that I'm going to go watch it in IMAX 3D today at two o'clock. Um, so I'm I'm sold. But I mean, that's the thing: people are going back again and again. The people who have watched this thing are loving it. Like I remember you texted me still in the theater while the credits were rolling, and so like, and that's the type of response we're hearing from people. Mm-hmm. So if people like you keep going back more Dude, and more,
2: it's insane. I mean, it, it's just. It's insane. All right. What's next?
0: From Attack of the Mushi. Is Secret Invasion
1: Marvel's Andor? Love you guys.
2: Hmm. Well, we don't know. No. Yeah,
0: I wouldn't no. say no. It's it's definitely in the vein of MCU. But it 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 <laughs> leans more enough. Like Andor is night and day from everything else Star Wars on Disney Plus. This is not night and day. But it definitely leans a little
2: heavier. I would say, I would say it's it's more Winter Soldier esque. Mm, okay. It has a, a definite it, yeah. Winter Soldier vibe. Uh, I really look as I said, I've only read the scripts. I love the scripts, <laughs> and I, I love. Don't send me. I mean, if you're gonna send me scripts I haven't read like that, I'll take. Yeah. Not the scripts that you wrote, but if you have like, you know, I'm looking for. I really want to get that Ben Affleck Batman script. So, but what I would say about. The Secret Invasion, what I loved about it was it's a really cool story, and it's a great science fiction story, it's a great Marvel story, and it's a great spy thriller story. Ooh. It works on many different levels. I loved it. I told you I've seen yeah. some of Secret Invasion. Yeah, you. So, yes, yes. <laughs> we can't say what you've seen, but wow. Yeah, and I, I don't know,
0: I am so tempted just to fuck Disney over. <laughs> don't, don't, oh, don't no, you man. dare! No,
2: come on, dude. Was... Don't, <laughs> don't you tell dare! the world everything about don't, what's no, coming. No, don't you dare even allude to I what you saw. I just want thought. to fuck
0: them over so bad. But no, no, I, I won't. I won't. Oh, John, please I won't. don't. <laughs> I won't. I won't. Maybe don't do that.
3: Think of the children. (laughs) Think of the children. Yeah, man. Come on, man.
0: All right. What's next from
1: BJ? I don't think Disney expected Avatar two to blow up last weekend in the same way most movies don't blow up the Thursday of their opening weekend. I think Christmas weekend will be bigger than last weekend.
0: Mm. I agree with that. Okay. No. Wait. Okay. Look. No. But seven minutes, John. Have we ever? (laughs) Has there ever been? Has there ever been? a movie that opened over $100 million that went up its second weekend. I don't think it's ever happened.
2: Oh, I, I bet it has.
0: I, Taylor, you might want to, guys, correct Uh-oh. me if I'm wrong, but I there have been, first of all, there have been very, very few examples, not counting limited releases that then went wide. There have been very few films ever in history that opened and then got bigger. I don't think a film that's ever opened to $100 million or more. I could be wrong, oh. but I think this one that's ever then gone up. Has there been one? <laughs> this can't be true. The Oogie Loves?
3: <laughs> this cannot be true. That's what comes up. The, the Oogie, Oogie Loves. Loves did not open to over $100 I know, million. Dollars. But why does that come up? <laughs> I don't know. So. Well, the
0: Oogie Loves had the, one of the lowest opening weekends in history, so it had nowhere to go but up. I think it opened yeah. to like several hundred thousand dollars. But I I again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think a movie ever opened to 100 million that then went up. Look up Titanic. If we're going to stay in the vein of James Cameron. Like maybe Titanic did, but I, I don't know. All right, let's keep moving on. What's next?
1: From uh Fry Minis, Captain Todd uh Stashwick of the USS Titan A.
3: Yep. I just went to Rob cuz I figured he yeah. knows what we're talking
2: about. <laughs> and he's great. He's Stashwick rules. He's I, going to be we a fan favorite. About again? card season 3.
3: Oh
0: okay, so that's, so it's not something we would know yet. Okay. No,
2: but it's not a secret.
0: Okay. Oh. But,
2: Perfect. But uh, or maybe it is. Sorry, Terry. <laughs> All right, what's next?
0: From Al
1: Renshaw, have you seen any of the actors-on-actors or directors-on-directors interviews? Yes. Variety is just throwing them out there. It definitely piques my interest. Yeah, they're really fascinating. We've talked
0: about them. I haven't seen any of the new rounds Mm -hmm. of them yet, but we've talked about them a bunch in the past. It's one of the cooler things, like the directors' roundtables, the the actors-on-actors, these little gimmicky things, but they're actually really interesting. I I just, go ahead. I was going to say, one of the most fascinating ones, I think it was The Hollywood Reporter that did it, but they did this one a while ago where they had the heads of all the studios. Mm-hmm. So you had like the head of Netflix, the head of Paramount, the head of Disney. I think it was I think it was Alan Horn that was sitting in mm-hmm. on it. Anyway. Oh the round tables. Yeah. Yeah. That one was fascinating Those are great. to me. But yeah, these things are really cool, these little ones they do. All right, what's next?
1: From Sam Fisher. You guys should get comic book artist Jay Scott Campbell <laughs> on heroes because apparently Taylor is friends with him? What? I mean what? And who introduced you, Taylor?
3: Me. No, I'm just getting twisted on Halloween.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but also, here's the cool thing about being friends with people, y'all. You sometimes don't exploit your friends. I don't know. We've talked about having uh, Scott on the show, and he also was like, I'll do it. But also, I think that you guys probably know more about comics.
0: It's <laughs> true. <So he did laughs> so, yeah. By the way, he's sweet. I want to point this out. Hey, Scott. Because uh, I can't believe that Taylor hasn't, so I will. Uh oh. But Taylor went to go see at DreamWorks mm-hmm. a special screening of Puss in Boots mm-hmm. in which the director of the film huh? <laughs> recognized Taylor from the show and bought you drinks or something well, like that. They,
3: they were free. They were free. But, oh, they uh... were free.
0: I, I stand corrected. Right. we had a, a beer far. together. But then, the
3: director of the film was like, You're Taylor. Yeah, it like blew my mind because I was going up to him to praise him and say, like, thank you for this Christmas gift. Like, I was so excited. He was like, oh, I saw you gushing about Shrek and Puss in Boots on YouTube. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) And he was like, come on, let's sit down. Let's, uh, Let's have a drink. So I was like, well, let me finish this one. So I chugged the beer I had in my hand and we got another beer. We talked for like 40 minutes about Shrek and Puss in Boots and just like. What a great, great film this is. And there's something... Okay, you could everybody.
0: literally die right now, right? Oh. You had to talk 40 minutes oh, at I DreamWorks Oh, I know. And I was like Shrek. nerding
3: out. I was like talking about... We talked about all of DreamWorks and it was just like a dream come true to be in Shrek swamp, the the motherland, the <laughs> homeland. I just felt like I belonged. <laughs> You're Mecca. <laughs> so, so thank you so much for that. That was... Ooh. One our our friend's
1: ever. group chat was just like lo- losing their minds. We all were just like, oh, Taylor's living his best life. This is the best day. It was,
0: it was so great. Nice. It's always weird when you find out who watches this show. It's yeah. a little crazy. All right. What's next?
1: From MP sending in a $20 super chat. Thank, Thank you, you, MP, for supporting us on that level, man. My biggest wish for the DCU reboot is finally getting the Bat Family. The stories of Robin to Nightwing, Batgirl to Oracle, Robin 2 to Red Hood are some of the most compelling and iconic stories in Batman lore.
2: I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see that. Yeah.
0: I, I I'm still iffy on it, right? I look, I, I the problem is, of course, that that takes time. Yeah. That takes a lot of time. And you gotta start with Dick Grayson. Now I'm okay if they want to start with Batman, but if they do start with a semi younger Batman, like a 30 year old Batman, <clears throat> I mean, I I do not think the traditional comic book Robin can work in live action i just don't and i know everybody's been mad at me for 15 years for saying that but a batman who takes a nine-year-old or 10-year-old kid with a stick around to fight mobsters with machine guns that batman is an asshole yeah and should not be looking after children and now then i inevitably get well john you liked kick ass and hit girl because Kick-Ass is a spoof satirical comedy. If you want to treat Batman like a spoof satirical comedy, go ahead. But if you start it with, like, say, Dick Grayson is 17 or or whatever, I'm okay. But then I think you're going to upset some of the comic purists. But I, I don't know. It's going to be tricky bringing in the Bat family.
2: Well, and also, you know, Nightwing, Robin becomes Nightwing in the pages of New Teen Titans. So are you going to bring the Titans in? You know, is that, are you going to have that, that happen? Because part of the reason that, that Nightwing, that Robin became Nightwing is he was sort of the de facto leader of the Titans and was accepting that leadership position. And that's how, that's how even Flash, Wally West, they left, you know, they bailed and they came back as Flash and they came back, Kid Flash became Flash and, and um, uh, Nightwing, Robin became Nightwing and it was a big deal. But are you going to do that? Like, I, I, I love that version of Titans, but I don't know. I think they're going to start. It's not going to be that expansive yet. I think they're going to focus on the Justice League characters. Because the second, like you always say, the second tiered characters. You got to bring them along. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, that's a tough, yeah, it's a tough one. All right. What's next?
1: From Al Renshaw. I didn't think I would ever say this, but I'm actually excited
0: to see Puss in Boots this weekend. Trailers were good and it looks like a lot of fun listen i'll tell you i hate cats but when that trailer for puss in boots came out i'm like well damn it if i'm not on board yeah i want to see this the trailer i thought was wonderful it looks precious and and in hearing all that we started hearing from some very very early screenings from people are saying this is actually damn amazing I, I i'm not gonna lie i am excited to watch puss in boots mm-hmm. i can't wait to see it i'm probably gonna try to go to see it tomorrow night all right what's next <laughs> <laughs> oh what
1: <laughs> you have all your cat yogurt now too oh, so <laughs>
0: stupid anyway from, all right, what's next
1: from max finkel howdy from austin with <laughs> avatar the question of frame rates and motion smoothing has ignited again want to ask your thoughts on both listen to tom cruise
0: well yeah, i i have not seen it but i have heard it was done very organically i don't know what did you think about the mixing of the frame rates?
2: i, I thought it was really fascinating i mean here's the thing about frame rates the re- when you get it to higher frame rates the brain is tricked into perceiving what you're looking at looks like it's real it looks like you're actually standing looking at reality a lot of people call it the soap opera effect but yeah. when you're watching it in IMAX and you're watching high frame rate resolution it isn't so much it just looks more real than real whereas how we've been watching films at 24 frames you're seeing 24 still frames and it's the persistence of vision part of how our vision works that distances us from the image on the movie screen. The thing with high frame rate is that distance is no longer there. And what James Cameron does is he, use var- he uses variable frame rates throughout the whole movie. Now I only saw it in IMAX. Now I've heard on the IMAX screen that the frame rate thing is diminished, but if you see it in Dolby 3D, It's very much more apparent. So I'm really curious as to see, because I want to see it in Dolby 3D, how it looks. I didn't have a problem with it. Like, I didn't like The Hobbit in high frame rate, because everything looked fake to Mm -hmm. me. The sets look fake. It looks so real, it it looks fake. Yeah, it looks like you're on a set, as opposed to having that distance. But I, I didn't have a problem with it. I actually thought it really worked, especially, like, in underwater sequences and stuff, but it's 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 interesting. I wanna see it in a, f- a couple of different formats before I f- make up my mind. All right. What's next? Fascinating though.
1: From Ron H. Well, I feel I'm not gonna say that. No, word. Let's move the on. film experience was something, everything looks so real. I now want an excellent... Yeah, no, just, just just
0: just no. skip. You're gonna write something stupid like that, yeah. we're just gonna skip.
1: Maurice Seafring, sadly, China looks like it's heading into a really rough winter with COVID as it suddenly opens up. Avatar 2 is playing in China, but I can't see a huge box office for it in China
0: because of this. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of. Imp- Again, we try to warn people in advance. Like, yeah, if it plays in, in China, it's definitely going to help it, but it's not going to be a world changer uh for them, right? So it, it will be interesting to see how that kind of plays out a, a, a bit. So, I mean, look, there are more important things than movies and China's definitely dealing with some stuff right now. And we hope, like, we just hope they're able to to navigate those waters, whatever, with Avatar. But it will be interesting to see what kind of an impact it does or Mm -hmm. does not make on that film. All right, what's next?
1: From Sin Vendetta, I feel bad, John. I've already seen Avatar 2 twice since Thursday and you haven't even seen it once.
0: (laughs) Man, can't wait to hear your thoughts, John. I thought it was really, really great. I am very excited. Again, I got screwed out of it. Thank you, AMC app, uh, even though I had my tickets. But- and then, of course, the weekend, Anne and I, our weekend was completely booked from start to finish. So there was that. But yeah, I'm getting out to see it today. Finally going to see it. We're going to be able to I'm gonna to be able to do our open spoiler discussion tomorrow. So fingers crossed. I'm very excited. I've loved hearing all of your guys' reactions to it. So it's made me excited, even more excited about seeing it myself. All right, what's next?
1: From CSC. Wasn't Oppenheimer going to be in black and white? Parts of it are.
0: We have parts of it. See, I, I thought so too. But apparently it's, parts of it are in black and white for a first time ever a specific black and white imax natively black and white thing it's never been done before but i thought the whole movie was being done that way so then seeing the trailer was like oh i guess they're gonna go no one's gonna use it for a dramatic effect so it'll be interesting to see but i thought the exact same thing man i thought the exact same thing all right what's next
1: from ben reiner who sends in a 50 dollars super chat thank you ben for supporting us that level dude that's incredibly generous of you man thank you so much regarding that kryptonite comment from your last ask me anything and new superman you said they used it in superman and lois and while i concur that, that that i'd like to submit to that i'd like to submit to the stand smallville they found new ways to use kryptonite every week even in gum
0: yeah so what what ben is referring to so there was a really interesting question that came in on the ask me anything yesterday where somebody was saying like i'm really looking forward to them doing a new superman like we're going to miss henry but new start i just don't want them to use kryptonite right like just get get rid of kryptonite it's it feels like a lazy thing so tell me what you think about this cuz this is what i said about that i said here's the thing about kryptonite kryptonite is such a core dna component of the superman mythology to me it's like trying to do wolverine without the adamantium claws i mean it it is an essential key at the heart and soul of the superman character as anything else it is his it's his kryptonite Right? That's why we say, about anybody that has a weakness, that's their kryptonite. You cannot not have kryptonite. But the problem with kryptonite has been that there have been Superman iterations that have way overdone it with the kryptonite. Like you go into the, what's, what's the name of the, the current show? Superman and Lois, mm-hmm. right? Like, look, very I have very positive feelings about Superman and Lois. But, oh my God, they have kryptonite they have kryptonite bullets they have kryptonite gas they have kryptonite g-strings they have kryptonite like i think you're watching a different show after (laughs) dark maybe i was watching something else Mm. but no they have like kryptonite everything everywhere is kryptonite everywhere you turn there's kryptonite here it is like oprah you get a car and you get kryptonite and you everybody's got kryptonite they they gotta reel that back in and make it Truly a rare, precious, almost impossible to find kind of thing that maybe Batman is in possession of a little bit of it to be a safety thing in case Superman goes a little crazy. Maybe one villain comes across it, but you can't overdo it. So it's, I think it's number one, you have to have kryptonite. But number two, you got to resist the urge to make it where anybody can find it at the 7-Eleven. I don't know. Rob, what do you think about
2: that? Look, I agree with you. And I think that kryptonite, they've made it, it's irradiated pieces of krypton. So first of all, the fact that there's ever, even some here on earth at all is insanely rare. But I think that, yes, you have to have it because look, Superman is invulnerable. And if he's invulnerable all the time, well, that really creates, it's pretty inert dramatically. There has to be some way to kill him. Although, again, I think that when you have it, that means that every villain in every story is looking for kryptonite to do something to diminish Superman's powers. How would anybody even know that there is kryptonite? You know, when Superman first comes to Earth and lands a small villain, Ma and Pa can't, there's no one that would even know that kryptonite would have any effect on Superman at all. Why would you? Because no one's seen that before. So I think you could get away with doing Superman- and not have kryptonite for a while, and that it's something that shows up in movie two or three. And even Superman doesn't know anything about kryptonite. He doesn't know that he's vulnerable to a substance that is irradiated shards of his homeworld. Why would he? Chris, do you think they should maybe,
0: in a new iteration of Superman, because every iteration of Superman has had kryptonite, is there an argument to be made for just not I mean, having kryptonite? Everyone and their mom has kryptonite.
1: <laughs> everyone and their mom has it. So I feel like, yeah, you, you need to slowly introduce it and have it be a discovery of some sort that isn't just, well, we've all got it. We're chewing it yeah. in our gum and we're hanging out with it and it's in our bullets. Boop, boop, boop doo Or let's play with magic. That's fun. Superman doesn't do all well lot that. That'd be spiffy to me.
0: All right. What's next? Thank, by the way, again, thank you, Ben, yeah. for sending that in and supporting us on that level, man. That's incredibly generous of you. All right, what's next? From Purple Funk.
1: Hi, crew. Rob, I love the Akira shirt and Chris the Spider-Gwen sweater. Yeah. That
0: is a great sweater.
1: With all this talk of Jimmy C, Rob, what is our 4K? Where is our oh, 4K no. of true lies? Uh, Hashtag been, Taylor loves Oh, uh, there's <laughs> been talk
2: of that. I mean, obviously there are four light storm movies that have gone missing in terms of physical media. The Abyss, True Lies, and then The Light Storm produced Strange Days, but you can get that on uh, Blu-ray in Germany. And then, of course, Steven Soderbergh's remake of Solaris. Hopefully, they're saying that we're going to get The Abyss in March. If that's the case, hopefully we'll get True Lies. True Lies, there is, I believe, a 4K version of it streaming, but not on physical media. I hope we get it, because I want that. I want it bad. All right. What's next?
1: From Guzman, Messiah's the, uh, Messi's the Goat. Uh, been off for a month, the World Cup was crazy. Did I miss anything important? Just kidding. Love y'all. Happy holidays.
0: Uh oh, the World Cup was nuts. That was crazy. Like it, like France forgot to show up for the game. And then all of a sudden as as Argentina uh, the, uh, the Argentine fans they're like prepping the parade and getting everything in and out of nowhere in like a minute and a half, they score two. They go to extra time. Wow. They both score. And then it goes to penalties. It, it was insane. But, you know, maybe the greatest soccer player of all time uh, got his World Cup. The only thing that, that Lionel Messi was missing is a World Cup. That was the only thing that wasn't on his resume. And now he's got it. And it, it was pretty crazy. It was pretty, pretty nuts. All right. What's next?
1: From Orange Hand, one of the worst examples of people reading headlines and having poor attention spans is the Lion King ripped off Kimba crap. <laughs> that uh, that the YMS channel thoroughly debunked after he did the damn research.
0: Ooh, that's good because you know what? I first of all, to be honest with you, I've never cared enough about the Kimba. If you don't know what the Kimba thing is, even The Simpsons did something about that. Yeah, Kimba. I mean Simba. Uh, but. I have never cared about it to ever look into it at all. So to me, it's never been an issue, but I didn't know about that, that that was thoroughly debunked. I'd be interested in learning more about that. Thank you for putting that on my radar, Mm -hmm. man. All right, what's next? From Ars Gravy,
1: do you think Disney will take credit for their acquired titles, just like Warner Brothers did in their 100th anniversary celebration?
2: Man, I hope not. I think, look, What he's referring to is Warner Brothers made a video about their 100th anniversary celebration. 2023 is their 100th anniversary. And front and center, they're putting movies like Ben-Hur, Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind, Poltergeist, 2001. Warner Brothers didn't make these movies. MGM made these movies. Warner Brothers acquired them during the 80s through this Turner deal machinations but they didn't make these movies. They've got Morgan Freeman talking about the great legacy of the studio of Warner Brothers, and they're showing MGM movies front and center. Now, they have distribution rights for those movies now, but they didn't make them. They're not. A, they're part of another studio's legacy, and I get what they're doing, but they really shouldn't be doing that. And I hope Disney doesn't go, look at our great legacy. Here's Patton. Here's Alien. Here's the French Connection, like movies they didn't make. Now they own them. But they didn't make them. I disagree. I disagree, and and I'll tell you why I disagree.
0: I, and I think you made some valid points. I do, but here's why I disagree. When you acquire that company, that company lives on, and it is now, and what they have done is is part of you, like you like. So if Disney acquires Fox, Fox and everything the Fox Studio was, it still lives. The power was in you all along, Rob. The, the, the fox still lives, but it is now, it has been merged into like, what's that damn thing where they, they lean over and touch fingers and they merge into one being? Uh what, 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 On Steven Universe? Well, I don't know right. what well, it was. Like Voltron? Fusion? Fu- yeah, it was fusion well, thing, right? But So when that happens, so when you look back, so that becomes a part of you now. You acquired it, it you merged it in with yourself. It becomes a part of your shared history now. So I... I think you do. I, I, I agree with it.
2: I don't know, because if you're celebrating the 100th anniversary of your studio and you're talking about what the studio actually made, because there's other studios, like, are you going to then but say... But that studio
0: is now a part of you. So it No, is no, no. History?
2: MGM is not a part of Warner Brothers. You know, only movies that were made at MGM... The MGM library has been piecemealed out, unfortunately. But it was still... MGM itself has an incredible legacy of its own. And if you're going to talk about the MGM history... I mean, sure, things change and merge, but, you know, you can't, you can't have somebody take credit for something they didn't make. Just because a company acquired something doesn't mean that they actually, if you're celebrating their 100th anniversary, you're celebrating the 100 years of the studio, and they're talking about these movies like they did not make Wizard of Oz. See, I, I think there's an argument to be made that, that what that studio
0: was is now a part of you. So I get. look I think there's a good argument to be made both ways. I, I'm not going to die on my fall on my sword for this, but I I kind of think it's okay. Anyway, what's next? From Nash Preds 99, sending a twenty dollars super chat. Thank,
1: Thank you, you man. Uh, I'm a Cabell fan, but I remember watching Crazy Rich Asians and immediately thinking another Henry, as in Golding, would be a great Clark Superman. He has that messy Clark look, but has the voice and look when he cleans up.
0: Yeah. Again, understanding Fun. the basic premise that that Superman Kalel is not white. He's an alien organism uh, that has traditionally been said. This alien organism just happens to have the appearance of Caucasian. I think you can go any direction you want. I mean, if I was making a Superman movie myself, I would go more traditional. I, like I would go with a Caucasian with Superman, but nothing about the character of Superman does his, appearance of ethnicity because remember superman's ethnicity is alien organism it's not caucasian it's not black it's not asian it's not native american it's none of that but traditionally they've made it so that this alien organism just happens to have the appearance of that it's not an important part of who of what makes that character who he is it's not an important part of who and what superman is unlike say i think like black panther that is important I think Bruce Wayne is much more important because understanding Bruce Wayne growing up in rich white privilege, I think that is important that he's Caucasian. That's just my take on it. So I would do traditional, but you could go any way. So if you were willing to do that, Oh hell yes! Henry Golding would make a great Superman. <laughs> I mm-hmm. think I think he would personally. But I I think Henry Golding's great. I've loved him in everything I've seen him in, except for that one damn Christmas movie he did with the mother of Amelia Clark. Yes. Oh, it's so bad. Was not it's real big last on that. Last Christmas. Movie. That was that was called Last yes. Christmas. Not so good.
2: Wham again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not so good. All I've right.
1: survived so far. I haven't heard it.
2: I haven't either. Oh not my the gosh! Lab version. I, I heard got a it cover yesterday.
3: Version.
1: Okay. I was gonna say the covers you... don't count, right? They don't count. Okay. Because yeah, I watched Ted Lasso.
3: Yeah. Siri got me in my car. Siri Got all right what's next
1: from sam fisher my dad is a massive nuclear physics nerd i told him about oppenheimer and he was all the way in he knew all the character based on his knowledge
0: i mean look i've always said that it is not the job of a movie to be absolutely historically accurate that's the job of textbooks and documentaries you, you got to take some creative license but i do get a big kick out of it when they try to stay as true to the actual history as possible how close nolan sticks to this i don't know But it's going to be fun to find out. I love that your dad is into that, though, (laughs) because your dad will be the one who knows for sure how accurate they were able to make it. All right, what's next?
1: From Gregory Pittman, sending in a $20 super chat. Thank you,
0: Gregory, so much.
1: Fans and studios lose confidence in directors and producers quickly. See Kathleen, Patty, Taika, and Ryan. Does this put extra pressure on Guardians 3 and Aquaman 2? And could two flops put the entire DCU at risk before it starts?
0: Aquaman 2 is a part of the old DCU. So if it flops, it has nothing to do with... I'm not quite. I'm
2: not quite sure. Well, I think they're saying that Peter Safran produced Aquaman two, and then James Gunn. Sure, you know. I
0: think it would. Pro- I think it would put more pressure on if James Wan was the one running now DC yes. now. That may be there, but I, I. I don't think that does. The better question is Guardians three. That's the better question because that is James Gunn directed. Um, that's a good question. Yeah, listen, if, if Guardians three comes out, and it's a stinker, and there's. After watching the holiday special, there is zero reason to believe that Guardians 3 right. is going to be anything short of fantastic. But, let's play the game. If Guardians 3 is terrible, let's say awful, like Morbius bad. Oof. That's going to create that fairly or unfairly, that will create a very difficult environment for James Gunn until he can get his first DC projects out. And that's a ways off. So, yeah, not so much Aquaman 2, but Guardians 3. If it's like Morbius bad, it could create some problems. So, but again, why would you ever think that it's going to be anything less than great? But who knows? We'll Mm -hmm. have to wait and see. Good question, man. All right, what's next? From
1: Matt Boyle, sending a $20 Super Chat. Thank you, Matt. You guys
0: are really just in the holiday spirit.
1: (laughs) Goodness gracious. Yesterday on December 18th, it has been 25 years since Chris Farley's passed. Oh, past. wow. What has been your favorite performance of him? Mine has to be Tommy Boy. Oh, yeah. So good in Tommy Boy.
0: He's really good in Tommy he's Look, he's, he's Tommy Boy is great. I'm not taking anything away from that. It's great. It is great. Uh, even The other one he did with David Spade. Uh, um, Black Sheep? Yes. But the single greatest thing that I think highlighted everything that made Chris Farley great was him and Patrick Swayze doing the Chippendale sketch. Oh, that one's good. Because, not just because it was, if you've never seen the Chris Farley, Patrick Swayze, Chippendale sketch, it's a top five greatest Saturday Night Live sketch of all time, I believe. (laughs) But what it did was it highlighted the absolute fearlessness of Chris Farley. That there was nothing he wouldn't do to entertain the audience to get that laugh he would do like he would do the most ridiculous things and whatever but that that sketch highlighted what made chris farley so special and you saw elements of that in everything else he did mm-hmm. but to me in a in a microcosm that one sketch tells you everything you need to know about chris farley his timing his self-awareness his fearlessness his enthusiasm and energy because if he doesn't dance the way he danced in that sketch that sketch just becomes another Saturday Night Live sketch but it's the way he did it that it just it tells you everything about chris farley so that to me is what i think about what
2: about you i don't know i mean that's a it's a great sketch but i i do think that tommy boys the first that's the first thing that jumps to my mind in terms of chris farley performances but i mean saturday night live was where i believe he belonged Oh yeah, you know that's that's where I think of Chris Farley first and foremost. His,
1: what was the name of his character who did the "You're going to end up in a van down by the oh. river"?
2: Oh yeah, yeah the yeah. van down by river guy oh, is is also him.
0: another master. They they so didn't went to, they went back to that one many yeah. times on that's Saturday. My, Night my, my parents reason. would
1: yell at me constantly. You're living in a van. You don't get your grades <laughs> up, Christine. You're going to be living in a van down by the river. Well, that's the like an
3: influencers thing. like dream come true now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm All off right. grid. It's really great. I have a hot plate. My dog <laughs> lives with me. Matt Boy oh, we just did Matt Boyles. Uh, Mark24 Gaming sending some support and Noah AG
0: sending in support. So thank you so much, you guys. Thank you so much, guys. And that'll do it for today's installment of the John Cambia <laughs> Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Brought to you in part by Tom Cruise's cake. Um, thank again. Don't forget to come on back tomorrow, guys, when we do our next episode of the John Cambia Show. And listen, it's a big busy day around here uh we've got we're recording the next episode of designing hollywood of course a little bit later today at 3 p.m pacific standard time the newest live installment of robert meyer burnett and chris cars the weekly hero makes sure you guys come and follow that and don't forget mm-hmm. it's now in podcast form as well check that out uh, we're going to be recording our yellowstone podcast after show not yellowstone, 1923. A podcast, which will be going up on the after-show podcast feed a little bit later tonight. A lot of stuff going on. Thank you guys for being here and making the show part of your day. So, for everybody in the room, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, the wonderful Chris Carr, Ray Ora, the always awake, sitting beside him, running the show, Jonathan Voico with that stupid cup. Beside him, of course, <laughs> Taylor Gonzalez is here. And my name, of course, is John Campia. Thanks a lot for being here, guys. And until next time, my friends plus <laughs>